You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 112 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the kitchen studio 20 minutes late this week <laughs> is my co-host Matt. How rude. That, that, that's a terrible slur to make on, on, on a coach driver, by the way. Coach drivers are never early and they're never late. They arrive precisely when they mean to. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> but we, 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 did, we, got, we got, actually got started an hour and a half earlier. We did, And yes. uh, we yeah. managed to be and, late. And we still managed to be late. But yeah. there's a very, very good reason for that. And I think there you is. should. I think you should induce the reason why. Yeah. Well, uh, we have managed to, uh, to induce, to induce, <laughs> induce. <laughs> we, we're going to um, give birth to something here. <laughs> <That's> splendid. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to give birth to some radio gold. That's what we're going to yes, do. Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> so uh, we've uh, in in literally the last five minutes we've uh, managed to grab someone <laughs> as a, as a quick uh, guest host. I on believe the, show. the phrase is that's what she said. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Welcome onto the show. Welcome back onto the show, our good friend, the King of Royal Jet, Captain Al. A very good morning to you, and how are we? <laughs> we are We're all well. Thank you very much. This is, this is a real un unexpected, joyous uh, moment. Thank uh, you very unexpected much. Unexpected is the right word. I've yeah. just come back from breakfast. <laughs> and I was expecting just to sit down on my settee yeah, and just have a quiet play Talking minutes. UK, right. veg out. Yeah. With his Netflix. Yeah, with yeah. his Netflix. No, with his Netflix, Netflix yeah. And now I've had to rearrange the, the entire hotel room to get a decent Wi-Fi signal. I'm perched on a stool. Oh, splendid. He looks really comfortable, by the way, everyone. I've blocked my only exit out in the event of a fire. Fire, splendid. Good, right. Excellent. Well, that's great news. It's great news. Yes, it's, uh, so nobody set fire to the hotel. Uh, and please. I've got some sort of celestial light bulb over my shoulder. It's beautiful. It, 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 it makes you look quite angelic. I'm not going to lie. Uh, he looks lovely. It'll take a lot more than a light bulb. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, uh, so how, how has your week been, uh, Al? Have you been uh, in the skies above? Yes, I have. I've been working afternoon shifts, so I've been sort of strolling into work in the uh, in the variable weather that we've had this week. Cool, yeah. Um, mm. uh, around about sort of lunchtime, and then uh, crawling into my pit in the early hours of the morning. Oh, so, yeah. I've, uh, where have I been? I've been to uh, Heraklion and Crete, uh, Las Palmas and the Canary Islands. Uh, Fort Aventura in the Canary Islands, Ooh, wow. and last night I went to Gibraltar. Oh, oh wow! Oh gosh! Lovely. Well, that's all right, isn't it? That's, is it I, I said this before. Cause we were we, in that in the group chat we've got on on Twitter, and it's like you, you've got we got Pip who was in Greece. You, you you were somewhere else, more exotic, enjoying enjoying a bar uh, or the mini fridge, I suppose is the. Most well, it's a free bar. I mean, it has to be about <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, what better way to wind down from a long day? Uh, but, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a different world, though, isn't it? I mean, to, to the you know, I suppose that's that's the trouble with with my job is the fact that you you don't get access. You don't get. To, get I'm lucky bars. if I get a hotel room. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Roger, are, are very good. I mean, my my situation is uh, is slightly different in that uh, I'm going to be based in Birmingham for uh, for the UK summer. Uh, my normal base is Manchester, so uh, so I get uh, accommodated uh, here in the Hilton for uh, oh, basically the until the end of October. <laughs> okay, right. Okay. Well, there are worse places to be based, I suppose. Uh, you know, like <laughs> what it, no, what it is is Al's preparing himself ready for when we're we're all together in that right. uh, okay. very posh hotel that we're staying at at Farnborough. Right. Because okay. uh, obviously Al is in the same uh, is in the he? same hotel oh, as no, us. No, that's yeah. going to be a messy yeah. night, isn't it? Rather, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, Nev is off, apparently. Bye, Nev. Oh, bye, Nev. Uh, 
yes, uh, so I suppose back back to the task at hand, we should just say lots of people in the chat room. Hello to Jenny, uh, the legend that is Dr. Steph. She's there as well. Myla, Masha, ne Nev is then is now going. Thanks uh, again to Neville for filling in last uh, minute, last uh, last um, week as I was stranded. Um, Glenn Taylor's in the chat yeah, room. Martin got, Holmes. Um, hello, Martin. Uh, first time, I think. First time, yeah, I think, absolutely. Martin. Yeah, 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 yeah whereabouts yeah. are you, Martin? Tell us yeah. where you are. Graham Haley. And Myla and Ray Davis, uh, Liz, Liz, uh, Jennifer Parkinson, yeah, Lisbon Nelson. Is it Nelson? Steph, Dr. Steph. Dr. Don't forget Steph, Dr. Yeah, Steph. Yeah, it's uh, very early in the morning there yeah, where she absolutely. is. Tony S. Uh, somebody called Pilot Pip. Yeah, right? someone, yeah, yeah. Some, some, some guy. Someone called Pilot yeah. Pip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. We've got a segment from him this week. I'm really excited. We were listening to it earlier, and uh, it is actually what that is actually one of my fears. What he's talking about. Yeah. That, is, that is where um, I, I did say where a lot of my, my uh, one of one of my problems lies is that just a FYI, uh, Captain Al, uh, and that is turbulent, especially when you see these horrible. There was horrible video, wasn't there? Um, I think going around where where there was horrific uh, turbulence. Mm. Um, oh, Dave Abbey just popped in. Oh, yes. Hello, Dave. Absolutely. Oh, and yeah. David Corson. is what I call the T word. It's probably one of the greatest fears that most people who have a fear of flying yeah. uh, have. Mm. I, I mean, it, it sort of stems from a... I had a very, very bad experience when we were flying when I was very, very young. And um, and it really I, I've never really got over it. That's 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 um, where where it sort of stems from. But it's a, and yet I know that it you know the the, the video I mean that was flying around this week um, that were you know it, those are very very extreme situations you know where where um, masks drop down and headliners crack and all that kind of thing. But it's you know just sort of frightens the living daylights out of. Yeah, I can like understand me. that. It has to be put into a to into a little bit of context because we tend to to see the newspaper articles about people being taken to hospital after yeah. a severe turbulence incident. Now, obviously, let, let's be honest, that, that's not what you, you need no. bought your ticket for. No, uh, no, it's no, not the no. same as uh, going to a theme park. Yeah. However, the majority of those people who were taken to hospital would have just been going for checkups. Right, yeah. Or, you know, what I would relatively describe as minor injuries. Mm. Now, you drive a coach. Uh, yes. And... and you know, we know every year, um, tragically, that mm. there are coach crashes, not necessarily yeah. in the UK particularly, but there are obviously. Yeah. Uh, but across Europe, there are many, many fatal coach crashes. True. Um, yeah. And obviously, the severe turbulence uh, aspects of, of flying are, are there. Yeah. Um, we can't get away from that, but they are isolated, and the majority of people who end up going to take end up going to hospital mm. uh, just for a little checkup or you sort know maybe a sprained ankle or yeah. uh, you know a bit of whiplash that sort of mm. thing which i'm not playing down but it has to be put into the sort of yeah, bigger no, context absolutely. of it really and and, and I, you know even i acknowledge that flying is still despite i mean it hasn't been a great couple of years for aviation but it is still nevertheless the safest way to travel oh yeah and it's probably far more far you know statistically speaking it's much safer than than what i do for a living so i, I guess it's a an irrational fear i acknowledge that but but, uh, you know, I suppose it's... Absolutely. I mean, I've yet to see a coach with two steering wheels and two drivers. No, indeed. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> I'd love to see Yeah, that. I would, actually. That's, that's a really good idea. I mean, we do we do often do what I call double man jobs, but, you know, we have to change. We have to sort of pull over and change. <laughs> yeah, and I have uh, before now seen the uh, the driver change take place on the motorway on a coach. 
uh, whilst the coach is still driving. What? So uh, I'm not entirely convinced that that's an approved method of. Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness me! That's oh my god! Wow, wow. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> it's Fred Matt's face. I love it. Oh my goodness me! Uh, yeah, well, right. Yes. Well, as I say, we've got a lovely uh, segment from Kip, Pip from Kip. From, from I'm, I'm going to put my teeth in from, and try again. From, from Kyle up Kip. <laughs> yeah, Kyle up Kip. Uh, we've got. We, we, yes, we have got a segment. <laughs> I'll, I'll, Kipper, to be honest. I will. I will get this this particular. This uh, segue. We've yeah. got a segment from Pilot, Pilot Pip, Pip and it is on. on turbulence, which is why we were talking. And about we've it also been sent in some really, really good feedback from mm. uh, the main man, Micah. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, coming up as well later on in the show. Indeed. Yes. So I think, uh, I think it's worth mentioning, by the way. I'm very proud of how well you coped in my absence last week. Oh, by the okay, way. I know. Very, very I impressed. Know. I was. It's great news. It means I can go away now and, and survive, which is great. Matt, Matt <laughs> did tell me that uh, he only had to do uh, about five hours of editing. Oh, very uh, minor. Show, it's fine. Is, Absolutely. Right. Good, I've had yeah. worse. I've had worse. Anyway, shall we, so shall we crack on? The date today. It is the 14th of May. Yesterday was Friday, the 13th. Yes. Mm. Mm. Very unlucky for some. Uh, but no, it's 14th of May. Saturday, uh, yep. it's just coming up to half past ten in the morning, and uh, yeah, we've got loads of news, uh, all the usual news, and um, yeah, great, uh, a great special guest with yes, us this morning as always. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no. So, uh, if, if we're ready, to if we're ready, we're we going to uh, as uh, start our show as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So, if you're ready, Captain Al, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> and Matt. Yes, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. So kicking off this week's first news story then, this one is on the Telegraph business site. And uh, the headline, uh, Wi-Fi on long-haul flights. Uh, BA to spend £30 million to let passengers watch Netflix in the air. So um, the passengers could be able to Skype, FaceTime and watch Netflix movies from their aircraft seats from next year, following a deal announced by British Airways. The airline is prov uh, to provide what it claims will be the fastest Wi-Fi internet connections on long-haul international flights, retrofitting next-generation satellite technology on 118 of their aircraft. The deal struck between the airline's parent international airlines group and technology firm GoGo will see the new technology begin to be rolled out from next year. The deal could cost BA around £250,000 per aircraft, or a total of more than £30 million. Although the final details are still being worked out, the service is likely to be free to passengers uh, in a basic form, with fees charged for premium services and connections. While some other airlines are already providing uh, Wi-Fi in flight, uh, BA wi currently Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, <laughs> BA currently only has Wi-Fi services available on three of its jets. Uh, Delta Airlines, which owns 49% of Virgin Atlantic and some other airlines, have linked similar deals with GoGo, although they each make different claims about the specifications of their service. Willie Walsh, IAG Chief Executive, said we believe this will be the best Wi-Fi on international flights anywhere. Hmm. Uh, this will be exactly uh, as if you're connected to your Wi-Fi in your home. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> we'll be able to have everyone on board using multiple devices, and we're going to get speeds that are similar to you being at home. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That's why we wanted this. Uh, there's nothing more frustrating than if you're a passenger and you're told uh, it's there, but you're sitting there waiting for your screen to refresh. Hmm. 
<laughs> it's just becoming more irritating than not. And having some of the early technology, we just felt it wasn't something we could uh, offer our customers and convince them mm. it was going to work constantly. Wow. Mm. Uh, showcasing the technology on a special jet service put on in San Jose at the launch of BA's new direct flight from London Heathrow to America's 10th largest city. Demonstrations of Netflix videos were shown in flight. Wow. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, pans out. I don't think, I mean, unless you know, we've kind of gone forward a thousand years, that they're going to have the same speeds as what I'm getting here at home. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, if well, they did, I'm going to have to take my coffee table with me and wedge that up against the emergency exit. Absolutely, yes, to ensure that uh, high high speed internet is available, because that that's making all the difference. Certainly, this morning. I uh, mean, but... if they can offer the speeds that we're getting here at home, then uh, that means that me yeah. and Matt can technically go on board their flight and uh, and broadcast, uh, and broadcast the show. a show. Well, that'd be excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's I'm... a couple of elements here, isn't there? I mean, firstly, I mean. They talk about the speeds that you get at home. Well, I get 1.5 meg at home. Right. Really? That's the speed of my broadband. Yeah, wow. that's the best that uh, the, uh, well, BT combined with the internet service providers can, can come can up can, with at the minute. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm in a reasonably large uh, hotel in the middle of the United Kingdom in the developed world. And uh, I'm wedged into a corner. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yes. We have... Uh, some way to go to uh, start to make comparisons. But yes, I, I, th I think that uh, it's going to be very interesting when 400 people decide that they want yes. to watch the 4K movies on Netflix, <laughs> on Netflix all at the same absolutely, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, also, I mean, I, I get, I, it depends on what, what part of the country, as you say, that they're using as their benchmark for, for faster than at home. Because, uh, as I say, we're quite lucky here in the fact that we can get sort of download speeds of around about 40 megabit here. Uh, yeah. between 20 and 40 megabit. Um, but, uh, I mean, the other thing that, that I thought was quite interesting about this story, only because I'm, I was reading a story about it this week, is Netflix are now enforcing what they call geo-blocking on their systems, um, which means that um, you can only watch content that's, that's available in your country, as where beforehand people could use um, VPN um, systems in order to sort of get around where you were in the UK because the, the US version is much much better for example than the UK version and I know people who are using VPNs to sort of pretend they were in the States if you like to uh, to mm. then watch that so it'll be interesting to see how they that, how they get around that given the fact that they'll be sort of flying around the um, flying around the world I mean I was it's looking... going to be difficult I mean I use a, a VPN so that when I'm watching filth on the internet it looks yes. as if I'm <laughs> using Carlos's internet service <laughs> yeah. provider <laughs> <laughs> Quite right, absolutely. <laughs> yes, oh, and that, that's why Google invented uh, in private browsing. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just it's, it, it is uh, again because the, the only other way I can think of them doing it is using satellite systems. And I've been looking at satellite systems this week because we're we're trying to to come up with a way of broadcasting live from um, the two air shows that we're going at. And I, I was I was looking, but. Um, you can get quite good download speeds of 20 megabit, but, but um, you know, only 6 megabit is the best you can get to, to sort of send up. Um, so, uh, Plus I mean, you've got to walk around with a dish on your head and there, a suitcase full of batteries. That, that is true, exactly. yes. I, 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 it's not a perfect system, Captain Al. I'm just trying to come up with some <laughs> ideas. You know, it's just because that's the only trouble because, I don't know, I mean, I, don't, I, I have to say because you, you've been to, um, you've been to Farnborough, haven't you? Yeah. But I don't yeah. suppose you did a speed test while you were there. No, were you? no, just, that was, that was yeah. pre 
um, I think we're going to end up. Phone. I think we're going to end up doing it from the hotel, aren't we? But uh, it I was just. You might. You might. We might get a surprise. Yeah. I was just. We might get what you might find, um, depending on who your uh, mobile phone provider is, is that when there are large events on, um, people like Vodafone, etc., uh, the mobile phone networks are available. Mm. Uh, put in additional mobile infrastructure to cope for for the increased demand, because yeah. obviously there are going to be a lot of people making mobile phones uh, phone calls at Farnborough saying, where are you? Yeah, true. Well, I- I'm at the XYZ stand, and they're yeah. going to go, well, so am I, and I can't yeah. see, see you. You, yes. you know, it's the standard, you know, can you hear me now call yeah. that we tend to have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or did you get the text message that I sent to you? Yes, I've sent you the reply. Yes, I was just checking that you got the message. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I see what you mean. I, yeah. So, um, I- so you, might, you might find that that, that that works out, but going back to the original story, one of the problems that we've had um, certainly in Europe with regards to, um, if we call it the internet on board, because, of course, um, Wi-Fi on board and the internet on board are two separate entities. But with regards to having the World Wide Web on board, mm. um, with regards to streaming video, is that very thing about licensing. It's been somewhat easier in the United States on domestic flights, because, of course, the United States is one licensing area for a film. Yeah. Um, in the in the Europe area, and of course we cross over quite a lot into Africa and the Middle East, we're into multiple licensing areas, and this has caused a lot of problems as to the legalities of where the, the license uh, prevails when the aircraft, say, is flying from the UK over continental Europe to uh, Africa or whatever. Mm. And I think that probably moves are in foot to, to be able to resolve that, but it is certainly going to be an issue, not necessarily with providing the bandwidth, but how, how the companies like Netflix handle the licensing agreements that they have with the you know the filmmakers, the studios, etc. So that, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. No, it is, I, mean, it, I mean, it is exciting. I mean, I make it sound like I'm sort of anti, and I'm really not anti. It's, uh, it, is, it is really exciting, but... Uh, I say I, I I'm struggling to get my head around how they how, you know the legality el- element to it given sort of recent new you know news about um, um, geo blocking and things being enforced on on Netflix's services. I think the way Netflix are going to have to go, um, and it's going to be difficult for them because obviously there's an evolution. Is simply when uh, you know worldwide licensing because mm. as we go ever increasingly into global travel using the internet um then that's the only way i can see that they're going to go yeah no agreed no agreed yes right we better move on i suppose we better move on yes i have to say that on that on that last on that note there i if i was having wi-fi on board the aircraft Mm. i would probably be sitting on flight radar 24 seeing what's around (laughs) seeing what's around yeah yeah. but that's just me it is just you i think yes no fair enough yeah okay so the next story yes the next story as per usual it is story number two which must mean it's a ryanair story good news though for uh the car or shall i say confident news from mr o'leary because he's always very shy and retiring as we know uh so the irish times is the head is the uh newspaper the headline is ryanair aims to overtake overtake easyjet as uk's largest airline this year michael o'leary 
Leary has said that Ryanair is on course to overtake EasyJet as the biggest UK carrier by the end of the year, in tandem with plans to position itself as the second largest in Germany. Within a similar time frame, Mr O'Leary presented the growth as further momentum for the airline's European dominance. Speaking at the US Embassy's Creative Minds Creative Disruption <laughs> nice, uh, Economic Conference in Dublin on Wednesday, the outspoken chief executive said a new design in future Boeing aircraft and their improved fuel consumption rates would help further the company's ambitions. Ryanair has an initial order of 200 Boeing 737s, dubbed as the Game Changer by Mr O'Leary, which will come into circulation between 2019 and 2023. They will transform the cost base of offering 4% more uh, passenger capacity, that's eight seats per flight, and yet still manage to deliver more comfortable travel. I do love how they cram in a few more people. Mm. On top of that, Mr O'Leary said that the aircraft could cut per passenger fuel consumption by up to 19%. That is quite an impressive number. Uh, we uh, have to keep finding creative ways to take, our, take out costs, he said after addressing a conference focusing largely on innovation. Fuel costs represent around 45% of the airline's expenditure. If we can reduce that by a double-digit number, it means that we are again getting closer and closer to my idea where ultimately we can lower our average fares from €45 Euros to €25. Euros. Wow. While revealing part of its strategy to expand Europe market share, Mr O'Leary reiterated that Ryanair could not source a fleet of long-haul aircraft cheaply due to a backlog of orders from Gulf carriers, and so any potential for a future of no-frills transatlantic flight was off the table for at least five years. With services slowly returning to Brussels following the recent terrorist attacks, Mr O'Leary said that the potential for further such incidents was always a threat to the sector. The danger for us is that you will have one or one one or two more of these events somewhere in Europe during the summer and that will undoubtedly affect customer confidence he said at the end of this conference he implored business leaders to encourage UK voters to reject next month's referendum on a potential EU exit to do so he said would economically would be economically detrimental and leave the campaign uh, and the Leave campaign had nothing to offer. I think uh, it will be very close. The economy in the UK is struggling. If they vote just on the issue, I think the vast majority of the UK would vote to remain, he said. But if it, comes, if it becomes a kind of mid-term referendum on the Conservative government, then I think it's going to be very, very close. So looking at the two airlines side by side, I mean, the two low-cost carriers, EasyJet and Ryanair. I mean, Ryanair have got a, a huge fleet of aircraft. There are 326 aircraft in service at the moment. They've got uh, some quite big orders with uh, Boeing for the 737 MAX. Uh, and EasyJet, so 326 for Ryanair, and EasyJet have got 225 uh, aircraft uh, mm. with orders, 182 orders in, on the books wow. uh, for the new 320 NEOs. So Ryanair have got, you know, they've definitely got to the larger fleet. Mm. Um, so I, could, I suppose you could say that they are, will be, or, you know, are the largest low-cost yeah. carrier in the UK for sure, I think. I don't know what the I don't, I don't I don't really understand. I mean, I'm surprised that they haven't made more effort in regard to the transatlantic thing because I I reckon that's the mm. that's the next market they're going to go after. I hope they don't personally. Well, um, but, that, but but Norwegian have had issues, haven't they? Norwegian have had problems, you know, because mm. with uh, the states and that, you know, doing the low cost flights from uh, the UK over to to the US, and they've had issues uh, with uh, you know the US of I think they've something to do with one of the um, oh, I forget what it is now the laws or something to do with flying across there and that they've had issues with Al probably knows more than I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean one of one of the problems that they've had 
is with respect to the fact that when you're being a low-cost carrier, one of the, the areas that you have to look at is obviously trying to keep all of your costs down operating the airline, not just representing low costs to the customer. And certain things that uh, Norwegian have done have maybe alienated the uh, infrastructure within the United States. Um, and therefore, it has put them under the spotlight with regards to certain perfectly safe practices that may not uh, fit in with the normal way of doing things. Mm. And it is very difficult uh, to obtain licenses and so forth um, when everybody is against you, as it were. Yeah. So I think one of the difficulties that any uh, carrier will have, and Ryanair of shouted from the, the hilltop some years ago that they were going to revolutionize long haul. And a lot of people in the industry thought, no, this is just this is just marketing. It's getting Ryanair into the into the newspaper and on the media in the same way as they did when they said that they were going to charge for using the toilet. Yes, yeah, These yeah. are just clever clever marketing tools really. Keeping themselves uh, in the headlines essentially. A, a, mm. Absolutely. Uh, and it is exceptionally difficult to do a low cost long-haul product primarily because it's the premium passengers with those very very expensive fares that largely pay for the operation and the the bums on the seats in in wide class and economy are an added bonus now if you take out those premium passengers um, then you are reliant on filling an aeroplane and when you're looking at long haul so say for example if someone was going to operate from Stansted to Newark mm. um, in the United States because they wouldn't get into JFK. No. The majority of people who go to New York out of the UK are not necessarily going to New York, they're connecting onwards. Right. So what you need to have then is co-chair agreements with other airlines such that you will go from Stansted to New York and then maybe um, onto Detroit or somewhere like that as a pure example. And what people aren't going to want to do is to get to Newark, get off, go through immigration, collect yeah, your bag, course, go yeah. out of the airport, back in, recheck it, go through security again, blah, 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 and then board a different flight. They want you know, their bag to be checked through to Detroit, and yeah. they want to just basically transit in, in Newark. Um, but all of the low-cost carriers are all point-to-point -point carriers, and there's no set up really for um, joining to point-to-point carriers as it stands. And I think that's a fundamental hurdle for anybody who wants to do mm -hmm. long haul on the cheap, really. And, it's, and as you say, it's, it is that whole, um, that is that issue with regard to um, trying to get uh, sort of connection flights, isn't it? Because Ryanair are not going to use a major airport, are they? I mean, I'm frankly surprised that you can fly out of Stansted. You'd have thought that had been sort of way out of their sort of budget almost, mm -hmm. you know, because it's it being a well, major... Well, if, if you look at the, the sort of history of that, um, I know Stansted is fairly close to you guys, yeah. but prior to Ryanair, Stansted was a nothing. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, was, a, was a country backwater airport that just didn't feature on the map. And candidly, it still doesn't feature on the sort of international map. It is, mm. uh, you know, none of the, the major international carriers operate out of Stansted to the best of my knowledge. So you don't have any, you know, Delta flights in there. You don't have any Qantas flights in there. Um, it is basically uh, a, a Ryanair hub, 
Mm. Um, so, and if Ryanair were to pull out of Stansted, um, other than the cargo flights at night, I don't think there would be a lot left. Right, I see. Yeah, yeah, um, I see what you mean. So, so in in, in that sense, um, they have fairly good. Uh, what's the best way of describing it? Uh, commercial advantage when right. negotiating their yeah. rates at Stansted yeah. because it because means a lot to them. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. when you think about airports, you might initially think about um, oh, you know, things like um, landing fees, handling fees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Airports don't make their money um, in Europe in that. It's it's the shops. Yes. Yeah. Um, and if you think about all of the the uh, passengers who are going to travel on Ryanair. Yeah. Um, now, they know that it's going to be quite an expensive affair on board with regards to purchasing sandwiches yeah. uh, or maybe <laughs> a, a, can, a can of pop. Yeah. So if there's a shop that uh, is selling sandwiches and a can of pop in the terminal, it's uh, still quite expensive prices, but maybe not as expensive as the Ryanair cheaper sandwich than, and pop. Than flight, You're yeah. going to buy it there. Yeah, so I mean, presumably a similar, it, 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 the similar sort of thing maybe with EasyJet and Luton, perhaps, which is not that bigger. And I mean, I know they call it London Luton, but I mean, is it because of some people like Ryan, um, like EasyJet being there, which is why yeah. that's such a big hub? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, historically, um, uh, I mean, Luton has always played sort of second or, or third fiddle. And, of course, Luton, going back into the sort of 60s and 70s, uh, was, if you lived in the southeast, typically where you went on your holiday flight from because mm. uh, Gatwick was getting a, a bit more congested and uh, the likes of sort of, uh, you know, Danair and Courtline, etc., were operating ever increasingly out of Luton. Um, so it, it, there is, you know... Uh, a very distinct uh, difference of category between the the London airports. We have Heathrow, which is uh, a very large, very very busy uh, airport, ostensibly business travel, or yeah. uh, where the majority of passengers on a flight are business. We've got Gatwick, which is half leisure, half business. Yeah. Stansted, which is low cost. Mm. Uh, Luton has uh, got a fair amount of low cost, but it's also got a very very large. Uh, contingent of business jets. If you've ever gone past uh, the hangars at, at Luton, you'll see an awful lot of biz jets. And uh, of course, that's where the Pipperoonie's based. Yes, so, yes, yes. Um, yes. So, so uh, we've uh, almost created a sort of system where each of the airports in London has a role. Yeah. And if Ryanair were to pull out, or indeed if uh, the UK pulls out of Europe, which might make it interesting for Ryanair at Stansted, bearing in mind that they don't actually have any aircraft registered in the UK. Really? Um, they're all on the Irish register. So uh, if, uh, if the UK uh, pulls out of uh, Europe, then um, that, that'll make it, as I say, a little interesting. So if, if Ryanair were to remove themselves from Stansted, Stansted would become uh, uh, just a, a backwater once again. Yeah. Uh, interesting that Nev's just said that's, that's few, apparently there's fewer chavs in Luton um, than Stansted. Even Pitt flies out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... Perhaps a bit harsh, but uh, anyway, yes. I don't know whether uh, that's insinuating. we're talking about Ryanair, as a, as a slight aside, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw the the new Ryanair uh, cabin crew uniform for the first time face-to-face oh, uh, yesterday. And, and I have to say, um, I'm not a big Ryanair fan, as, as many of us aren't, uh, <laughs> but it does look very smart. Does it? And it does look a tad easier to remove of an evening uh, in the hands of a ham-fisted pilot than right. the old one. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's what, what she, she said. said. <laughs> 
<laughs> Indeed. Uh, good. Excellent. Uh, finally, you have a use for your new desk. I know. Uh, right. Anyway, we must move on on to the next story. This one is C-H- with you, Carlos. Yeah, yes. CH Aviation. Uh, CH Aviation website. This one, and uh, one of the airlines. Uh, one of my one of my favourite little airlines, uh, Iceland Air. Uh, there to acquire two more Boeing seven six sevens. Uh, Iceland Air over in Reykjavik, uh, Kavlik. That's says a great that, name. Uh, I love that, Reykjavik. <laughs> uh, they've uh, signed an agreement with an undisclosed firm Ooh. for the purchase of two additional 767-300ERs. Mm. The aircraft, which will shortly undergo refurbishment, are expected to enter service early next year. Uh, the Icelandic carrier already dry leases to 767-300ERs, and... Uh, the, uh, they've also they've also recently uh, delivered uh, TF uh, or Tango Foxtrot India Sierra November um, with a second one due soon as well to the fleet. They've got uh, Iceland Air have got a fleet of uh, 28 aircraft in service with 19 on order. They've got an all Boeing fleet, Iceland Air. That's a great picture. And, then. Uh, I'll just pop that up on the. Uh, they've uh, the they've thing. ordered. Uh, they've also got some of the new uh, 737 Maxes on order. The Max Eights. They've got nine of those on order, and the Max Nine. They've got seven of those on order. Uh, Iceland Air have, and uh, but no, it's great to see uh, that they've uh, they're sticking with Boeing. Mm. Obviously, the best way to go, as uh, as we all know, our guests will uh, agree with that. <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. Right, of course, yes. Ever the diplomat. Yes. She's chopping my legs off at the knees so I can get in the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Right, okay. So, yes, so great news. So, 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 so what's the, can I explain to me the 767? What's the difference between that and um, sort of what I call this, like the, the 737 that I'm more familiar with? Well, the 76, Matt, is yes. a wide bodied aircraft. Okay. Right. And uh, still twin engined. Okay. And uh, it uh, is one of those twin aisle aircraft. So is it bigger? Oh, yes, it's a lot bigger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, it's it's nice. It's, it's quite an old, well uh, well well versed aircraft okay. now, right. uh, which was kind of like taken over by the triple seven when uh, the triple seven came out. It was like the, the slightly bigger uh, brother as such of the seven six. But um, no, good news that is. Okay, yeah. excellent. Next story right, on yes. Flight Global. Yes, that, this is Flight Global, and the headline is EasyJet still weighing A321 as higher-density A320s arrive. EasyJet is expecting to take delivery of its first higher-density Airbus A320 this month, but is still weighing the possibility of acquiring the larger A321. The UK budget carrier disclosed during a half-year financial briefing that the shift in its fleet balance away from the A319 uh, (coughs) towards the A320 had generated a 0.38 pence benefit in cost per seat. So that's about 55 cents. Uh, Chief Executive Carolyn McCall Speaking at the briefing said that the first 186-seat A320 would be delivered to the carrier this month. She said the airline is planning to retrofit... I'm really having trouble talking today, aren't I? (laughs) Retrofit the increased seats, seating to 105 uh, other A320s, and that 53 aircraft in its fleet would carry the higher-density cabin by summer 2017. But the airline remains undecided on the A321 Neo, Neo, to which it has the option to convert some of its on-order A320 Neo Jets. Uh, McCall said that the company is conducting a rigorous review of the type. Is, is it, was it was this the Neo that we we were talking about with having New engine, engine no, option? Isn't that one that was having Absolutely engine awesome problems? Absolutely awesome airplane. It's beautiful to look at. It's highly efficient. Got superb performance. What else could you want? Right. Okay. <laughs> There we go. Does he mean that? I'm not yeah, sure. No, no. Oh, right, okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it, it doesn't look like you're, you know, 
shoved on a couple of donkeys on the side of a wing, and then that's a jack it up because it doesn't. Right. Okay. <laughs> Said more. <laughs> Careful, family show. Uh, yes. So, so yes, no, great, great news then. So it's uh, so I don't know. I mean, are, are they planning to? I, I'm actually, I'm actually surprised. You know, Al, with the, with the the amount of passengers that EasyJet carry in the UK, I'm surprised they haven't taken the the, the or you know got the 321 in as opposed to just to get more people on their, on their flights. Yeah. It's. Um, I think the economics of it are a, are a tricky one. Um, I'm not falling over. It's just the iPad that's disappearing. Right. <laughs> Bye. Yes, he's, he's, Bye. Well, yeah, he's looking. Uh, let's let's put that. Out. There we go. Oh, there we go. It's, it's a lovely view of your nostrils. There, it has to be said. Uh, it's all gone horribly wrong. We're gonna we're gonna go back to Carlos while you carry on. Uh, hello. Yes. Um, Excellent. What was uh, I saying? Yeah. Uh, I think probably. Um, all of the uh, the existing Airbus carriers are just seeing uh, what they can do with regards to, to negotiating mm. the best deal. Um, just like uh, car manufacturers in some ways, um, when a new model comes out and you walk into the car showroom and you say, um, I'm interested in that, what sort of deal can you give me? And the bloke falls off his chair laughing, saying, yeah. well, there's a waiting list for those. You yeah. say, well, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to sell me one or not? Um, and uh, you play this sort of little cat and mouse game, really. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, with regards to to the Airbus, uh, EasyJet are an entirely Airbus operation, mm. and therefore um, Boeing are obviously going to be quite competitive because they want to uh, steal the glory of uh, of nabbing an Airbus customer. Mm. And Airbus will be a little bit smug in some ways, saying, "Well, we, you know, we've we've got EasyJet, and maybe we don't have to, you know, go that extra mile on the best deal um, because they're just going to come to us anyway because they've got so many, and it would be a logical thing for them to stay Airbus." I and mean, I don't know what it's like worldwide, but uh, uh, you guys will know that uh, when it comes to sort of mortgages, you get yeah. a far better deal if you're a new customer of the bank than if you've than been with them for thirty one. years. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, it's uh, one of the. I mean, that'd be a heck of a coup, though, wouldn't it, to actually, for Boeing to actually punch or punch no pinch someone like um, EasyJet from them? I mean, but I mean that 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 bit that that would be so massive, though, because I mean, presumably they're they're kitted out for um, Airbus, aren't they, with regard to spares and and workshops and things like that? I mean, that'd be such a major thing to do wouldn't it absolutely i mean when something like that uh, happens and of course it does because uh, at the end of the day uh, the bean counters will you know sit <laughs> yeah. around and uh, look at it and if the manufacturer is going to offer you such a phenomenally good rate on the airframes hmm. and then take into account and it's not uncommon uh, for the manufacturers to say we'll pay for all of your training costs yeah. and we'll provide you with a spares inventory um, because Often, um, in these sort of deals, the actual cost of the airframe is almost like a loss leader. Right. And it's the ongoing provision of spares and aftercare um, that they can they make their money, really. Mm. And ultimately, when we start to look at it on an even deeper level, if we take Boeing, for example, uh, Boeing in the United States employ a phenomenal number of people directly and indirectly in all of the uh, subcontractors and uh, suppliers, that there will be government-to-government -government talks with regards to, you know, these deals and how much, uh, in essence, uh, they're going to be sort of in part underwritten because obviously uh, there'll be grant money available, etc., yeah. etc., which don't directly 
come into the, the sales order but obviously can make the product very beneficial for yeah. someone to sign on the dotted line. Because if, for example, no one bought Boeing aircraft uh, in the future, then all <clears> of those people would be unemployed and the government would have to fund them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a bit, bit like steel, steel works, isn't it? Is that sort of thing? Is it so many people suddenly out of, out of work? Yeah. Absolutely. So, so the, there's, there's an awful lot um, to these uh, computations and, and agreements and negotiations. And the truth is, is that no one ever really knows what, outside of the, of the, the confines of the deal makers, what price was actually paid for the airframes. Yeah. Um, you know, the list price is just something that's imagined up. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, no, no, if nobody you and pays I that. Yeah. Round and go to Boeing, <laughs> then we would probably get, you know, list price minus of it for being a new customer. Yeah. Um, but we would certainly get a more uh, expensive rate than if EasyJet were to say to Boeing, do you want to do us a deal? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it on Pip's credit card. That'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure that'll work. Yeah. Well, having used Pip's credit card in the past, I personally wouldn't bother. <laughs> you know where it's been. Uh, no, indeed, yeah. <laughs> anyway, on to the Nothing next Nothing worse than being turned down for a packet of peanuts at the bar. Well, absolutely. Um, highly embarrassing. Indeed. <laughs> Agreed. Lovely. Poor Pip, honestly. Anyway, next story. This is on CH Aviation. Before I'm we waiting work. for him to come fighting back on the chat Yeah, room. I know. So I, know. I, I dare say are. he will stand up for himself. They have no fear of that. Uh, it is, uh, yes, before we get sued, uh, next story is uh, on chaviation.com and the headline is Iran Air. Iran Air f retires its last remaining set B747-200 Arbu. Uh, the <laughs> the headline, uh, yes, yeah, sorry, is uh, so I'm trying to do uh, graphics at the same time. That's there we why go. I'm so Iran Air uh, has retired its fine, its last remaining Boeing 747-200B from active commercial service. Iranian news sources have reported originally delivered to Lufthansa in 1982 as Delta. Alpha Bravo Yankee X-ray, woohoo, woohoo, get me. Uh, uh, the uh, the B seven four seven two hundred conducted its last commercial flight on Saturday, May the eighth, following which it was parked at Tehran Iman's. It was passed. It was parked in Tehran. Parked somewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With no more cycles left on its airframe, and with a fleet of new Airbus uh, new, new Airbus aircraft due in the coming months, uh, Iran Air has opted to retire the rec the aircraft instead. Um, it, uh, it continues to operate the 747 and the 747SP on commercial flights. Uh, Iran uh, signed multi-billion multi dollar deals with Airbus and uh, uh, earlier this year involving the purchase of almost 140 aircraft in total. According to the aviation, Iran deliveries will begin this year with five A320s and, and A330s. Fools. Along, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> along with three ATR-72-600s in 2017. 14 aircraft unspecified are expected also to arrive. In total, the Iranians' firm order is 20 ATR-72-600s with 20 additional options 21 a320 ceo family jets 24 a320 neo family jets uh 27 a330 ceo or co ceo current engine option. current engine option uh family jets 18 a330 neos um that's the dash 900 series and 16 a350 1000s or 12 a380 800 i think it's fair to say they're buying a lot of aircraft so the picture that we flashed up on the screen there yeah, for this, this story here, yeah. 
and uh, for the for most of you guys in the chat room will know um, the story is, is about the seven four seven two hundred. Here we go. <laughs> uh, that's that's actually the the uh, the seven four seven SP special performance. That right. One. Okay. Uh, that's the one they're they're carrying on. They've got uh, actually uh, Ryanair have uh, got. Uh, where are we? Here we go. They've got one of those actually that they use. That's the squeeze them in and pack them in version. That's right. it. That is the squeeze them in and pack <laughs> yeah. them in version. Cozy. SP. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, uh, they've. Um, I was actually actually looking up some history mm. on uh, on Ryanair while you were doing that story, Matt. And believe it or not, I don't yeah. know whether uh, anyone in the chat room or uh, Al knows this, but actually in uh, on, the eight, on the eighth <laughs> <laughs> on the eighth of October, nineteen seventy-two, a Ryanair actually placed an all. Uh, with the British a uh, Aircraft Corporation for two Concords. Wow. Uh, plus one option. Uh, these orders were cancelled in April 1980, making Iran Air the last airline to cancel its Concord, or uh, Concord orders. Oh. Um, but they did lease one from BA. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, I never knew that. So, no, Iran no. Air actually, yeah, they had And that's a reliable source? That's not, that's yeah, not, that is on, not wiki? That, no, that is no. On a, that's a reliable source. That's, <laughs> right. um, yeah, well, interesting, that one. Actually, I, I do seem to recall hearing that story from elsewhere so and, mm. and many years ago so uh, i think uh, that is probably factual because and i am stretching my geographical and political history limits to their absolute <laughs> extreme here um but of course uh, going back to the the 70s iran was a, a very different setup with yeah. regards to mm. its uh, uh, political mm. regime um and uh, much more uh, allied to the United Kingdom at that time, um, I think we were good, uh, good friends and good trading buddies at mm -hmm. that point. So it uh, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that um, that they had orders for for Concord, uh, and of course this order that they've now placed is. Uh, simpler as a result of uh, being allowed to place orders mm, yeah, and being allowed yeah, yeah. back it, into the the gentleman's club as it were yeah, embargoes um, having been lifted yeah, etc absolutely yeah. having having uh, served your punishment for for you know bearing your bottom at the chairman <laughs> yes, so um, <laughs> so it's, uh, it comes as no great surprise that they they've uh, they've ordered uh, just about everything that's mm. available it's it's uh, <laughs> yeah, kind, yeah. they've gone a bit mad yes yeah i'll have two of those one of those <laughs> yeah, three yeah. of those four of those yeah. Well, they, they do much. say you can order anything from Harrods. Perhaps that's where they came for it. Well, yeah. quite possibly. <laughs> um, uh, Matt, you were asking earlier a little bit about the the seven six seven. Yes. Um, do you know what a three an A three thirty looks like? No. Okay. Well, it's basically <laughs> is it, is it in, is it in my top, top Trumps cards? I can find. I'll, I'll find He's got his Trumps cards. I'll find my top, top Trumps cards. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically that the A three thirty is what the seven six seven should have been. Right. I <sighs> see. <sighs> He, he had to get that email. And going back to that last story, <laughs> oh, uh, we we'll go. just have to say that uh, Iran Air, <laughs> obviously... You mentioned the 330. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You were quite right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we have to say that Iran Air obviously just sort of like picked the cheap and cheerful versions of what they wanted. Yeah, they obviously... Did they? they? Yeah, they didn't want to go with the, uh, proper, I wasn't aware the, proper, that... the proper Boeing aircraft, the ones that actually have uh, control yokes and stuff. They uh, wanted, right. uh, I wasn't aware that any yeah. aircraft were cheap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, just like, but, uh, they anyway, are when you're using Pip's credit card. Anyway... Hey, so <laughs> on to no no the, no no, uh, no no Captain Al's already maxed it out on oh, peanuts. We've got oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I can eat a lot of peanuts. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> absolutely. So next story yes. uh, is uh, on the breaking travel news site. We've got a little video to go with yes. this, which oh. is quite funny. Uh, the headline: Lufthansa advert gently mocks 
England football fans. Oh dear. Uh, so German flag carrier Lufthansa has released an advert poking fun at England football fans ahead of the European Championship. <sighs> Big sigh. The spot features two well-dressed English supporters being inadvertently rebooked onto a Lufthansa flight. <laughs> They're overwhelmed by visions of stereotypical German music, food and fans before being relieved or relieved to discover it was all a dream. Yes. Uh, the ad is part of a wider effort uh, by the airline to capitalise on the championships. Over the next few weeks, Lufthansa will once again turn into Fanhansa ahead of the oh tournament dear. in France. <laughs> a special aircraft will, will be provided for the flight of uh, the German national team to the team's headquarters. Uh, in addition, the, uh, the Fanhansa logo, which uh, is known from the World Cup in 2014, the planes of fuselage, will be decorated with the names of some of 350 fans. Uh, the motto of our European Cup campaign is everyone's Fanhansa. Oh, dear. The idea behind the new <laughs> Fanhansa plane is that football fans will join us as we fly the national team to France on June the 7th. Uh, the Boeing 747-8 still causes a stir as it flies around the world and will continue to do so until the 2018 World Cup. So... Uh, right, did you yes. say that they've made an advert featuring English football fans yep, relieving no. themselves in public? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not quite. Not quite. Uh, not quite. Okay, okay but, but, but say that, that that's not an unusual event. No, no, no. It's not normal. Uh, it's not normally televised. Um, I think, I think <laughs> the I think the, the thing well dressed England football yes, fans. Indeed. Is, is, yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So we're going to play that little advert for you now. We do have permission to do it. So hopefully YouTube shouldn't get funny about it. So uh, we're just going to have a short one. Yeah, it's only a short one. So we're just going to play the ad out for you right now flight's cancelled they've rebooked us on Lufthansa Lufthansa we're flying with the Germans is everything okay Non-stop you, Lufthansa. <laughs> there we go. That really does make me laugh. That was rather amusing, I will say. It was, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Did you enjoy I that one? I watched that. I, I, I'm not privy to the sound of it, so no. I, I watched it in that sort of old classic silent movie <laughs> style. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have to say that uh, having worked in TV, TV commercials a long, long time ago, uh, if a TV commercial works without the sound, yeah. then you've achieved a good result. Yeah, and I absolutely. have to say that was really quite funny, just, that is, just watching it and not Even on the visuals, it. as you say, because a lot of people do tend to turn the sound down, don't they, while they're making their cup of tea or whatever. So, no, it, well done. I, I, I don't mind having the fun poked at us. That's quite a good little advert, that, to be fair. Well done, well done. So um, That was quite yeah. an interesting. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, Actually, Neville, Neville Bounds in the chat room uh, has put uh, something rather interesting. Uh, Matt, can you see that? Uh, I think Matt should read it out. Yeah, so should I. What does uh, what does that stand for then, Matt? What, what does Neville say? Okay, all right. This is this is just to make me go bright red, isn't it? It's essentially, you know, what Lufthansa stands for. Let us fondle the hostesses and not say anything. Excellent. 
Thank you very much. Thanks, Neville. So Always a British pleasure. British going to do a... Uh, oh, yeah, a they reply should, to oh, the they Lufthansa should do. TV oh, commercial. Do. Yeah, do they have the money to do such things? I don't know. <laughs> I think they have the money, but uh, these things do take a lot of planning, so uh, maybe it'll be out in four or five years. Four or five years' time, quite right, yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, so <laughs> from all of us here, at, not that they care, but from all of us here at PTUK Studios, well done, Lufthansa. That yes, well done. Lovely advert, yeah, lovely absolutely. advert. Absolutely. Yes, so uh, on next to the next story. story. Yes, this would be me, and I'm pressing all the wrong buttons, so we'll go to that one, and it is on CHAVO. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> oh, seriously, I'm going to take that tablet away from you in a minute. Uh, so, chaviation.com is the headline. Uh, it's not the headline, it's the website. And the headline is Emirates. Whee, here we go. Emirates mulls ordering 60 more A380s. Oh, great news for Airbus. Emirates is considering acquiring additional A380-800s to both replace and expand its existing fleet airline. President Timothy Clark told a press conference in Dubai this week. According to Clark, with Airbus industry in Toulouse uh, unwillingly, uh, sorry, unwilling to commit to the development of the A380neo, given that Emirates is the type's only current customer, the carrier may be forced to purchase up to 60 of the CEO versions of the A380 instead. If they decide not to bring the Neo into play, we will buy more of the current A380, Clark was quoted by uh, a certain newspaper, um, which I, I'm not sure where that's from, and I can't pronounce it. So <laughs> as the first batch comes up to uh, retirement, we will want to replace those with more A380s. If you replace over time, it's a continuum of orders. Emirates has thus far taken delivery of 77 out of a total of 140 A380s currently on order from the European manufacturer. Concerning Emirates' much-awaited A380, uh, sorry, A350-B787 order, Clark said evaluations were still ongoing with 50 aircraft to be ordered. He added that once a decision had been taken, the new aircraft would only arrive between 2023 and 2025, by which uh, time Emirates will have moved its hub from Dubai International to Dubai World Central. Emirates scrapped a uh, 16 billion US dollar order placed with Airbus in 2007 for 50 A350-900s and 20 A350-1000s in June 2014. Deliveries were to have commenced from 2019 onwards. So uh, Emirates then have a huge fleet of A380s mm. uh, already. Uh, they've got 77 you've fl- of those. You've flown with them, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, a few times yeah. on the 380 now, yeah. And um, yeah. they are the largest operator of, of the uh, Airbus A380. And with that order, I mean, that's huge. I mean, they've, they've got um, three different um, density classes they have for the 380. Mm. And the most being 615 they squeeze on one of those. Um, down to 489 on the version I have with the bigger uh, f- uh, economy and first-class sections. But um, fantastic Carlos, news. Carlos, with that sort of uh, passenger load of 600-odd people, do they have to limit the number of people who have curry? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's, that, that, uh, that, abort, particular, abort. that yes. particular configuration, that is, uh, that's 58 in business and 557 in, uh, in economy. So, so uh, book business class by the sound yeah, of it, because the, so, the cabinet will be less congested. <laughs> to, to be fair, that, honestly, Al, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked I'm going to say these words. But, oh, here uh, we go. Uh, but it is a, it's a fantastic aircraft to uh, to be on. Well, of be course it is. On. It's an Airbus. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's designed with a passenger in mind. It's right. designed with the accountant in mind. Okay. And it's designed with the pilot in mind. I mean, it is, uh, you know, uh, I mean, let, let's be honest, the A380, 
it's not a looker, but it's certainly a beautiful aeroplane from a passenger's point of view when you're in it. Mm. I've only had experiences of the A319, and I have to say I thought that was a very nice craft. And to be honest, probably the nicest aeroplane I've ever been on. Um, because I, I was lucky enough to have one of the new ones that, that EasyJet had been rolling out when we went. I can't remember. Oh, where, I think Charmel Shake. Yeah. Um, when we went out, and that was absolutely. That was. It was a really nice aircraft. I had more legroom than I've ever had in my life. Have you had a chance, um, Al, to go up on the flight deck of the three eighty? Uh, no, is the answer to that. Um, I've had a virtual visit to Ooh. the uh, the three eighty flight deck, and I have uh, very briefly popped into the three eighty simulator. So, yes, I've seen the flight deck, but not a real one, if you see what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's an Airbus. It's got you'd like, you'd like to have familiar a familiar bits. You'd like to have a go. Take one for a spin. Uh, <laughs> would I like to have a go? Yes, I would. Would I like to fly it as my primary job? No, not really. Um, only because it's ostensibly a large people mover from one large city to another large city. Right. And the sort of quality flying that you get on that sort of operation um, is a little bit more limited. It still has its challenges. You're operating a, you know, uh, a very large aeroplane. Um, however, I've always quite liked the, the mix of sort of one day going to Madrid or Barcelona and the next day, you know, you know going to the Greek islands and, and doing some proper sort of hands-on flying. So... Yeah. Um, to just be sort of stuck on the 380 um, isn't really for me as a, as a choice. No. Oh. Well, perhaps Royal Jet will buy a few. Right, you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> <laughs> on to the next story. Next story on CH Aviation. And uh, a bit of a, uh, a humorous story, this one. This is rather interesting, I might say. This is, this is not the first time this has happened either in the last uh, year. Uh, Chang'an Airlines uh, in an embarrassing water salute boob. Uh, Chang'an Airlines uh, endured an embarrassing... Easy to say. <laughs> endured a, an embarrassing first day back in the air as an independent carrier after fire trucks at uh, Zolai accidentally sprayed the 737-8 uh, with fire-suppressing foam oh, instead no. of water oh, no. during the traditional <laughs> water cannon salute. Oops. The China Aviation Daily Did reports... they do their training at Manchester? Possibly, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perhaps it was the same team. <laughs> the, uh, the China Aviation Daily reports the uh, aircraft which had just arrived from its inaugural flight from Lian Dangyang on Monday the 9th uh, this week, was forced to undergo several safety checks after the foam was found to have blocked the engine intakes. However, owing to the nature of the blockage, the return flight was subsequently cancelled, with passengers put up in hotels. Prior to its relaunch as an independent carrier, Chang'an Airlines had operated exclusively as a capacity provider Mm. to parent Hanan Airlines. What do you reckon of that one, Al? Bit of a uh, slight issue with uh, water and uh, foam. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as you've alluded to uh, at the start of it, it's not the first time it's happened. No. And um, I, I'm not entirely certain as to um, how these sort of situations uh, play out <laughs> after the event. Uh, because obviously, uh, you know, for an inaugural flight and uh, relating to the, the story that affected uh, uh, poor old Virgin Atlantic at uh, Manchester when yes. one of their uh 330s was uh ceremonially doused with foam <laughs> on its inaugural flight to uh, atlanta yeah. i think Lovely. it was yeah. um 
obviously, you know, the airport authority and the airline initially are like, yes, well, we'll put on a little bit of a show for you. Fantastic. You know, yeah. brilliant. We'll do a water <laughs> salute. Oh, that would be brilliant. That would make yeah. great photos. Yeah. And, and then, then after the event, it must go along the lines of, what the bloody hell did he do? Yeah, absolutely. What happened there? Yeah, terrible, terrible right. thing. Uh, somebody's lawyers just... get involved, and I'm sure there's an insurance claims galore. Oh, goodness me. Thing, but, yeah, because I don't suppose um, it's the cheapest, cheapest thing, especially if you've got intakes. I mean, you've got to have a full inspection, haven't you? you yeah, got... there is actually, because uh, I spoke to the, uh, the Royal Jet Engineers um, about this, because uh, I happened to be in Manchester. I was actually taxiing one of my aeroplanes, and although I didn't actually see it, I saw the aftermath, and I certainly heard it going on on the radio at the <laughs> yes, time. I can imagine. Yes. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of went along the lines of no. <laughs> as it went, yeah. As suddenly this phone went everywhere. Oh dear, dear, dear. And uh, I have to say, it wasn't me, but um, there was someone who was uh, pretty sharp-witted. And uh, really? I'll, I'll just digress slightly. Um, when we come in to land on the Airbus, uh, the aeroplane enunciates to you that it wants you to retard the thrust lever. So <laughs> retard. Retard, <laughs> retard. Retard. Okay. Retard. Which everyone in the chat room will know about. Yes. Um, but uh, when they uh, they started to uh, spray the 330 inadvertently with foam, um, some very smart Alec came on the radio and just went, retard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a clever radio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to have to but, just... Uh, going back to it, I spoke to the uh, to our engineers, and I said, like, what, what's the deal here? I mean, obviously, it's not going to just go off flying. <laughs> no. We, we know that. But is there actually a, a, a maintenance procedure? And they went, do you know what? There is. For the, uh, for the Airbus, really? they actually have a documented procedure for inadvertent application of foam to airframe. Wow. How that's, that's, that's a very thorough risk assessment, isn't it? I mean, that's all bases covered. <laughs> it is. Yes, and, and basically, as you might imagine, it involves inspecting the engines and all of the inlets and all of the probes mm. and so forth. And it is quite a, a, a lengthy investigation because by its very nature, the, the foam is quite foamy. Uh, it yes, tends to, yes, to yeah, get it tends everywhere. to stick to stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, it... it, it um, it, it wasn't designed for this purpose. Uh, no, no, it was. You know, it's, um, so yeah. it's it's a roughly sort of twelve hours of downtime for the engine, so, uh, for the for the aeroplane rather. Right now, somebody said we're just going to go. I'm just at the chat room because uh, obviously we read out uh, Neville's comment earlier. Somebody just needs to explain to me on that note. Uh, I shall get back to my emergency. Not quite a, a double seven double zero. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, yeah a squawk, a uh, yeah. squawk double seven double. But but a pan pan pan. What, 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 is that what? when Neville's wife found him in bed with a Lufthansa hostess by any chance? Quite possibly. <laughs> quite possibly. I wouldn't put it. Or with one of the. Uh, or is that one of the more of a mayday. Nurse? It might be a mayday. I think more than it, it might have been one of those easy to remove new Ryanair uniforms. Oh dear, here we go. That's it. Anyway, quick. Oh dear, quickly. Let's let's walk away from that comedy soldi, cu 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 comedy cul-de-sac immediately. That's easy for you to say. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so clever. There we go. Next it. story. Yes. Oh, no, just, just very, very, very quickly. Yeah. You have to feel sorry for, for an airline, regardless of where it is in the world, for their very first flight to oh. be... <laughs> Ruined by oh, foam. Really? Yes. I was thinking of a more... Um, yeah, I know, but I, I you know, I, I, I'm... Ruined, yes. Yeah, indeed. I'm forever looking at the family show element to it, trying not to get sued. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes. Next story. Carlos, this is with you. Is it or is it me? Um, this, um, yeah, I can't remember. It's you. This one. Is it? Or yeah. I, if the old fight, if the old fart can say 
an equivalent of basket on right. airline pilot guy, then uh, I think we're doing all right. Oh, yeah, well, we, no, are, no, we, yeah. do, we are doing quite well. I'm just a bit nervous because I do, I do promise YouTube that, that our show is family friendly, so one always has to be a bit wary. <laughs> and they have been a bit funny with us sometimes. They have taken us off air once before. Oh, that was only because we, we played Yeah, because we accidentally we, flew, we played um, copyrighted uh, video material, which, long, was, yeah. which was nasty YouTube. YouTube. I know, nasty um, YouTube people. But uh, So basically, I can swear all I like. No, you can't. No, you no, can't, no. No. <laughs> No. Abort, no. abort, abort, abort. No. Yes. I, I, need, I need to develop a delay, don't I? I don't know how, how that would even work. Anyway, by the by, uh, it is uh, me. Uh, the next story is uh, on the flyingmag.com, and the headline is Delta... Oh, dear. Delta flight makes emergency landing after engine cowling falls off mid-flight. Oh, this is, this is not good. Uh, some passengers with window seats aboard a Delta flight got more than they bargained for over the weekend when a loose engine cowling came off mid-flight, prompting an emergency landing flight 762 from Atlanta to Chicago was over Tennessee on Sunday afternoon when the airliner hit turbulence and oh, there's that word again turbulence and the engine light came on reports Nash reports Nashville's WTVF the pilot then made an emergency landing at National in uh, at, at Nashville International Airport photos taken of the 717 after landing show the exposed engine and damage to the plane where the cowling might have struck the fuselage no passengers were injured in the incident and delta says it had reached out uh, with them, to them with a gesture of apology the airline also says it's investigating what went wrong during the flight but no other details have emerged so far what was the aircraft type does the article say it I was it a did. 717 okay to a boeing then oh, yeah Carl, I, <laughs> I knew it <laughs> I just did quite right. Oh, I yes. should have lied and said yes. it was an airbus. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, yes, um, Al. It was a these sort of things do happen from time to they time. Do. Let, yeah. Let's be honest about it. Regardless mm. of <laughs> engine manufacturer, airline, or whatever, mm. there, there are a lot of components on an yeah. aeroplane, and uh, every now and again, something mechanical, whether it be a latch or whatever, is going to fail. Yeah. Um, and I'm not belittling this incident. Uh, it has uh, obviously. Uh, uh, a satisfactory outcome. It could have had a disastrous outcome. Um, but I don't think it's particularly relevant to sort of over-dramatise these things. At the end of the day, bits fall off aeroplanes yeah. from time to time. Um, and, you know, as, as crews, we, we are trained to deal with these sort of things. There isn't a procedure in the book that says, this bit fell off your aeroplane, so you do that. <laughs> yeah, so do that, uh, and this, yeah. this goes into the, you know, the realms of, well, I'm a pilot and I'm trying to fly the aeroplane and I will fly it until, till, you know, the very end, basically. So you just stay with it and do what you can, and hopefully your best will be good enough. So, I mean, presumably, if, if, if something like this happens, um, I presume there's sensors that say that something is missing. I mean, would, I mean, other than an engine, I mean, engine light sort of suggests that a light's come on, a nondescript error message has come up on the computer to say something's not right. But I mean, does it, I mean, what sort of data do you get from if something like that happens? Um, candidly, we don't have uh, lights or enunciators that say wing has fallen off. <laughs> right. Or okay. Right. Okay. You probably feel detached. that one, to be fair. Yes. Um, <laughs> quite often, um, it will largely depend on what has fallen off. Right. So, um, you know, a small piece of trim or whatever. Uh, so if we talk at like the minor level, there's lots of rubber trim uh, around the side of an aeroplane. They're, they're uh, there for aerodynamic purposes. Um, and if you lose a bit of uh, rubber trim off the side of the aeroplane, 
um, you might in the cabin or on the flight deck, depending where it is, hear quite a strong whistling sound because right. now you've got um, effectively created yep. a very, very expensive multi-million pound whistle. Excellent, yes. <laughs> um, where you have, um, say, for example, if you've ever looked at uh, underneath the wing of an aeroplane, you'll quite often see what are called canoes. They're the fairings for the flap and slap mechanism. Yeah. Um, and they're there for uh, aerodynamic purposes, and they occasionally fall off. Mm. Um, revealing the mechanism. Um, and there are very small uh, penalties with regards to fuel consumption for that sort of thing. Right. Um, obviously, I'm not belittling the fact when these things fall off. I mean, some of these things are quite heavy, and if it landed on your head, yeah. um, then you'd be more than a little unhappy about it. Um, <laughs> then when you talk about... Um, you know, fan covers and cowlings off engines. Mm. Um, one of the big concerns is what they hit when they come off. Yes, because of course, if they hit yeah. one of the flying controls, yeah. mm. then you now have quite a, a serious problem. And when you've got large bits of aluminium, or uh, in the case of uh, uh, engine cowlings, Kevlar and, and so forth, smashing into other bits, there's, uh, <laughs> you know, there's potential for a fair amount of damage. Yeah. With regards to this particular one, and uh, it refers to sort of a warning light. It may well be that as this bit of uh, cowling detaches, it takes with it some wiring, right. or uh, it may have uh, triggered one of the uh, fire loops to okay. fail, that we have uh, basically uh, heat-detecting loops around the engine that are used to detect a fire. Yeah. Um, so if one of those becomes severed, then it will report as a, as a fault right. on that system. Um, but the most likely uh, occurrence will be someone will come and bang on the door and say a bit's come off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, interestingly, this week, whilst uh, whilst I was uh, boarding passengers for my flight, we had uh, a message come uh, via the cabin crew saying that one of the passengers is very concerned uh, because there's a panel open on the engine that shouldn't be open. Oh. Now, there are certain panels on, on the engine, for example, you know, like the panel for opening up to put oil in it and so right. forth and access panels. So uh, it was raining. So I said to the first officer, can you go and have a look outside and see what's going on with this engine? And the message that we had from the cabin crew was very specific. It's, uh, you know, the number two engine and uh, blah, blah, blah. Wow. So uh, he went out and had a look and then he came back and he spoke to the passenger and the, the large panel that was open on the engine was, in fact, the forward cargo door. Right. Okay. Because <laughs> you were loading luggage in, presumably. Absolutely, yes. yes. Now, that's right. quite a big panel. Yes, um, yes. And yes. Uh, I think we I'd... generally notice when that's yes. open because yes. it's a bit drafty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, it's not attached to the engine. No. So... Being a slightly more serious and back to the story, yeah, mm. quite often um, if that sort of thing happens, the, the, the best indication that you're going to get is someone coming up and saying, did you know a bit of the engine's come off? Yes. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's actually powered, the uh, 717's powered by Rolls-Royce engines, uh, Al, BR-715s, mm. made Excellent. by Rolls-Royce. <laughs> Yes. There we go. Excellent. Yes. He, I, don't, I don't think he could care less, frankly. No, <laughs> no I'm, a, I'm a big Rolls-Royce supporter. Um, right. You know, British engineering at its best. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, Amen to that. Uh, e even though, um, you, you know, the actual 
economics of it are that uh, Rolls-Royce probably is no longer in true British ownership. No. It still employs an awful lot of fantastic uh, people in the mm, UK and, yeah. and some excellent engineering designs come out of, uh, out of uh, Rolls-Royce. And also Good remember point. that the 717 is actually based on the uh, Doug- McDonnell Douglas DC-9. Right. Wow. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Anyway, yeah. on to the next story. Next story, CH Aviation website. And the headline, Boeing confirms early Boeing 737 MAX deliveries. Hooray, an early delivery at long last. I know. Boeing uh, has confirmed. Well, you know why, don't you? Oh, oh, oh here we go. <laughs> well, they were going to design a new aeroplane, weren't they? The, the, you know, the replacement for the 73. Yeah. Uh, and now they've decided that, well... The 7.3 Max, it's just like, you know, a go-faster stripe on the side and then we like to deliver. <laughs> oh, no, stop it. <laughs> so it's not right. taken anywhere near as long as they thought to build. Right, OK, good. So, yes. getting back yes. to the so, story. So, anyway, here's a picture of that said aircraft. According, <laughs> to, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, Ray Connor, Executive Vice President of Sales at Boeing Commercial Airplanes, told analysts the Boeing at uh, Boeing's Annual Investor Conference at the US manufacturer now expects to hand over its first Boeing 7.3 37 Max 8 to launch customer Southwest Airlines at uh, Dallas Love Field during its first half of 2017, as opposed to the previous official target period of the third quarter. Mm. Early this year, the paper quoted industry sources as saying the delivery date could be brought forward as, uh, by as much as six months, wow. indicating a possible first quarter handover date. So that's good news. Um, it is. Uh, early deliveries, anyway. Yes. And. Uh, um, yes, thanks, Al, for your chip in there on that one. <laughs> I have absolutely no doubt that uh, when we uh, at uh, Royal Jet take delivery um, of oh, our, yes. our 737 Maxes, that oh, really? uh, uh, we will uh, use them absolutely at their best, and, and they, they will prove to be a very uh, reliable and efficient <laughs> you are uh, such, aeroplane. You are such a diplomat. Al, you'll be able to finally fly a real aircraft. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> going to bang your two heads together in a minute. Uh, anyway, on to the... Yeah, yeah. I'm just... Sorry. No, 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 I'm, no, no, I'm, no, making, no. Up, I'm making up for, for Nick. Abort. No, no, for stop Nick it. We're moving on. Uh, we're moving on immediately. I'm going to read the next story before anyone starts Retard. shouting at each other. Retard. Uh, stop it. Uh, Flight Global is the website. The headline is <laughs> Hong Kong Airlines... Inve- stop it. Uh, investigating A330 engine slip incident. Ooh. Uh, Hong Kong Airlines is investigating an engine chain slip incident which happened during a scheduled engine change at Hong Kong International Airport. In response to queries from Flight Global, the carrier confirmed that one of the engines on its A330 was tilted during a scheduled engine change on the 5th of May. The incident is suspected to have caused uh, to be caused by the slipped engine lifting chain and is under internal investigation. There was neither injury or influence the airline's uh, flight operations and flight safety says the airline adding that the case has also been reported to the Hong Kong Civil Aviation uh, Department uh, asked if the engine was damaged the airline declined to comment an image on Chinese on a Chinese media report shows that the cowling of the aircraft's left engine tilting towards the ground with visible cracks uh, Air Flight Global's fleet's analyzer shows that the airline operates 14 Airbus A330s comprising of 9-200s and 5-300s. There are two powered by a mix of Rolls-Royce Trent 772Bs and Pratt & Whitney's PW4170 engines. Now, I remember watching a video on YouTube not so long mm. back of um, them changing an engine 
uh, on uh, on an aircraft, and it's it's no easy feat, you know. The, I'm the, not sure why this is newsworthy, though. To be brutally well, honest, well, I was just going to say, I mean, isn't this just the media at its best? There was no risk yeah. to passenger safety. No, well, because no. it was on the ground, because it was being it, surviced. It was in a hangar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all make mistakes. Only had one engine attached to the wing at a time, yeah. so it, it, yeah, I think it was it's, an expensive mistake. Yes, I dare say it was an expensive mistake. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just it's just typical media, isn't it? As you say, it's it's not it, it wasn't in the air. Uh, they didn't put it in service until it had been corrected. I mean, it's a bit. It's one of those non-stories, isn't it? it? Neville will be loving this story. It is interesting yeah. to watch it. If you ever get the chance to yeah. watch the watch one of the videos on YouTube of them changing an aircraft. Engine. Oh yeah, it's so so fascinating yeah. to watch. Absolutely. Anyway, on to the final story. And the last story is regarding Delta uh, on Flight Global. Ooh. And Delta launches automation trend for TSA lanes or the. Transportation Safety Administration. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. Uh, Delta Airlines has, uh, may have started a new trend by acquiring automated security checkpoints to install at Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson International Airport and be operated by the U.S. Trans uh, Transportation Security Administration. Uh, the U.K.-sourced checkpoints are scheduled to be opened on the 24th of May in Atlanta with the potential to increase throughput by 40% through each lane. Uh, says the TSA administrator Peter Nefgänger. Uh, these two lanes are going in, and now we have other lanes coming in saying we want to buy 20, and now we want to buy 21, says Nefgänger, uh, addressing the Washington, D.C. chapter of the Royal Aeronautical Society on the 12th of May. Faced with steady, uh, steadily increasing passenger traffic through already the world's busiest airport, Delta decided to acquire the security lanes rather than wait for TSA to attempt to secure funding from Congress and secure, uh, schedule a competitive selection process, he says. Uh, the TSA recommended the UK, uh, UK system had already uh, installed, which is already installed at London Heathrow Airport. Uh, the automated lanes open with five stations allowing five passengers to divest metallic clothing and equipment before ushering themselves and carry-on bags through a security scanner. Each of the carry-on luggage bins is stamped with a radio frequency identification or RFID tag. Mm. Uh, so the airline customers uh, and the airlines and customers don't have to wait to push the bag through their scanner themselves. On the other side of the scanner, there are numerous stations where the passengers uh, wait to pick up their bags, avoiding bottlenecks at the end of the scanners. That's rather interesting. I've seen uh, similar. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen these at Heathrow actually. These um, these scanners like this and the lanes that they've got in place. There's not enough, but uh, they're a good idea, I think, with um, the security and stuff at the airports being as it is at the moment. Yeah. It's it's interesting that um, in the United States that uh, effectively airport security or transportation security. Uh, is open to anybody to take up the, the contract, really. So it's an interesting mm. move mm. that the airlines are now doing more privatisation. Yes, yeah, I don't know if I like the idea of that. Uh, Jennifer's just said automated security lanes like the automated car wash, very similar. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's got to be better than the automated passport control, um, oh, the, yes. the, uh, the mm. chip reading ones at the yes. airports, because they well, are. Well, the one that requires so a person to show you how to work it and help it work, you mean. Exactly. Yes, they just took yeah. away the kiosk and just used the person to do the yes. passport check. Yes, exactly. Without their little box to sit in. Yes. The, the same ones, Al, that you, you lay your passport on the little scanner and then you lay it on there again and then again and, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I must admit, I did have some fun recently in the United States. The, uh, the United States immigration system with their automated uh, uh, setup is actually quite good unless you're short. And um, the, the, the way it works is that they have a, a camera that takes your photo and the camera moves up and down to adjust itself to your height. 
except if you're below about the height of four foot five. Now, I'm <laughs> yeah. not, but my five-year-old son is. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, the, the officials there were, were reasonably insistent that he should go through this automated process. So having had the camera bounce up and down and, oh, and take photos of the wallpaper and so forth and say, <laughs> is this you? Yeah. And it's like, well, no, no, that's, that's, uh, that's not me. Mm. So uh, in the end, uh, I tried him on my shoulders and then he was too tall. Right. So yes. uh, we, we, we stood him on my wheelie bag. <laughs> so... <laughs> As you do, yes. And then someone came over and went, sir, that's dangerous. Oh, dear, so like, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. well, um, then you need to make your machine go up and down a bit more. Yes, make it move a bit. Oh, dear, honestly. Well, just anyway, like, we did manage to get his photo taken. Thank with, goodness uh, for that. <laughs> uh, and it was fine. And the actual system works really well. It's just that the technology hasn't been designed for children, short people, or giants. Well, and they, and, well, and, and they haven't thought of that. That's the trouble, isn't it? It's, uh, so yes. Somebody forgot that there might be a five-year-old you know, who needs to also have their photograph taken. Yeah, no, in my, in my limited experience, five-year-olds aren't that tall. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right. Okay. It is time to move on. We're going to uh, we're going to listen now to uh, we alluded to it earlier. Uh, we've got a lovely segment from the legend that is Pilot Pip, and uh, so uh, brace yourselves, everyone. It's time to talk about turbulence. Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Hi, everyone out there in podcast land. It's Pip here with another safety from the flight deck segment. And in this one, we're talking about turbulence and how to avoid it, how you can detect it and how you avoid it. And very broadly speaking, there are two types of turbulence. We could have a clear air turbulence and turbulence associated with convective activity, storms, clouds, that kind of thing. And only one of them we can detect or infer with the use of weather radar. And that's turbulence associated with, with storm activity, with clouds. Now, I won't go into too much detail, but the basic principle of a weather radar is you're picking up reflections, radar reflections from water droplets. The aircraft radar sends out a radio beam and it gets reflected back off water droplets or snow or hail, that sort of thing, and gets detected on the radar receiver. Now, some precipitation reflects better than others, so wet rain reflects very well, whereas dry snow, for instance, doesn't quite reflect or paint quite as efficiently. But any areas of precipitation that are painted by the radar, then you could expect some turbulence associated with that. Slightly more clever radars do have a turbulence detection uh, mode, and it works on, on Doppler shift of the return. And again, from that, you can uh, predict the presence of turbulence. And also, we can just use the good old Mark 1 eyeball. We can look out the window and we can see any big clouds or storm cells. And we avoid those because we know there could be some potentially pretty heavy turbulence associated with them. There's very strong up and down drafts uh, around storm cells. And that's essentially what turbulence is. It's movement of wind changing direction of, of the air currents. But what we can't predict is clear air turbulence. And that's probably the more common sort of turbulence that you encounter we do our best when we're flying around to avoid turbulence associated with clouds. And it's fairly easy to do because we can see them, we can manoeuvre around them or over them. Clear air turbulence, however, is another matter because, as the name suggests, you can't see it and it's not associated with any moisture. So radar, weather radar, cannot detect it. However, that's not to say that we don't have some clues that might suggest 
or might give us a hint as to where along our routes we might encounter clear air turbulence. Now, there are some areas where you always find it. So, for instance, um, perhaps over mountain ranges, over the Alps in Europe, it's a pretty good bet that you'll encounter at some level or at some altitude bands some clear air turbulence. You will be also pretty well guaranteed to meet some clear air turbulence if you're flying in the region of the jet streams. The jet streams are the high velocity bands of air that circle the globe, usually going west to east. They have a huge impact on the, the global weather systems. Um, and we like to take advantage of jet streams if we can. If we're flying with them on our back, they can produce some pretty good strong tailwinds, which will get us to our destination much quicker. Uh, flying into a, a jet stream with a headwind is not a great idea because these jet streams are often... Uh, 100 knots plus, 120 knots, 130 knots, sometimes even more. And once you're in the jet stream, it can be pretty smooth. But on the boundaries where the jet stream uh, is plowing through the air mass, it can get pretty turbulent. So we get charts, weather charts derived from satellite data, and we can see exactly where the jet streams are. So we know where to expect and where to avoid those certain areas. But oftentimes you'll encounter clear air turbulence are completely unexpectedly. It's, it's very unpredictable and you never quite know where it might crop up. And it's pretty common to encounter some turbulence on most flights, I would suggest. And we categorize turbulence in a number of different ways. We say light turbulence, moderate, severe, and also extreme. Now, personally, I've never encountered extreme turbulence and knock on wood, long may that continue. I've probably encountered severe turbulence certainly once, maybe bordering on twice. And moderate turbulence is not too infrequent and then light turbulence pretty well every flight as I say you tend to come across some and while we can't uh, see it or detect it with radar the one tool we do have for predicting or knowing where to expect turbulence is from pilot reports um, it's pretty common to give and to ask for turbulence reports at certain levels along your route so aircraft that have been along the same track for instance 10 minutes before you uh, may well be able to provide you with a, a report on the flying conditions. And then you can make a judgment from there whether you want to, to deviate or, or do something else to your flight to avoid that. Now, for me personally, light turbulence, I wouldn't worry too much about. I mean, passenger comfort is certainly at the forefront of our mind. So we like to avoid the turbulence if we can. But light turbulence, it can be pretty short-lived. And really, it's uh, it's no great shakes for the passenger comfort. Just a, a, that very gentle light turbulence isn't going to disturb anyone too much. But if it starts to become pretty persistent or if it starts to increase in intensity, then the best thing you can do or the easiest thing you can do to try and get out of that area of turbulence is simply to change levels, either climb or descend. Just even a few thousand feet often is enough just to get you out of that area of turbulence. So when we find ourselves in some turbulence, well, often, if available, ask to climb up to uh, one level above. So if we're at 360, and if the weight and conditions allow, then we'll ask to climb up to level 380, for instance. Or if we can't climb because we're too heavy or it's uh, too warm up there, then perhaps we'll descend down to 340. And that's the usual strategy for avoiding or getting out of turbulence. Simply change level. Now, if you are on some very long range routes, if you're doing long haul flying, uh, then descending down is obviously going to increase your fuel burn. So that might be something you really need to give some uh, consideration to as to how long you can sustain the increased fuel burn, because at some point you're going to need to climb back up again. So in some situations, you might just have to live with the turbulence. You've got to weigh up all the factors and make the best decision you can. 
And passenger comfort, as I say, certainly at the forefront of our mind, but also fuel consumption, fuel burn, range and endurance and all that sort of stuff we need to think about as well. However, and just to finish on a positive note, turbulence really isn't dangerous at all. I know some for some people it can be a, a frightening thing and it can be a, a little uncomfortable for passengers, but it certainly doesn't pose a danger. Certainly not the light and moderate, even severe turbulence. Now, it, that can obviously be quite quite scary when you do get into that, but the aircraft um, structures are designed such that turbulence is very, very rarely going to cause them any any serious damage. It may not feel like that when you're sat in the, the back there watching those wings flexing up and down, but there are very, very few, if any, aircraft accidents that have been caused by by turbulence, at least up at altitude. Of course, I can't say that turbulence doesn't pose a danger without pointing out the very obvious point that it can pose a danger to those inside the aircraft if, you guessed it, you're not wearing your seatbelt. Now, I'm pretty certain I don't need to tell you good folks the benefits of wearing a seatbelt, but it happens that people are sitting down asleep, they're not strapped in, and you encounter a bit of unexpected turbulence and you get thrown around the cabin and maybe you get a few bumps and bruises and broken legs or worse. So that's why we always say to have your seatbelt just loosely fastened around your waist even when you're seated. And this is after all the safety from the flight deck segment so I would be remiss in my duty if I didn't remind you of that fact. Anyway, on that positive note, I'll bring this little segment to a close. I'll be back in the next episode with another segment in which we're going to be talking about pilot incapacitation. What happens when the pilot eats the fish and gets ill? Until next time, take care, everyone, and fly safe. Thank you very, Thank you very much, much yeah. Pip. Yeah, thanks very much for that. As mm. always, a fantastic segment. I set in the I, homework I, I'm and not, he's completed I'm, his task. I'm not sure it uh, helps me. I love oh, it. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> We're talking about turbulence, and now I'm even more nervous. You can't be a good old, good old bit of turbulence every yeah. now and again. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> okay. Oh, hello. Um, have we have we lost Al? Is he on? Uh... Hello, Al. Is he up? Hello. No, is he there? Is he still? Is, is this the volume's up? Don't panic. Oh. Hello, Broadsword calling Danny Boy. Oh, there we go, there we go. Danny Boy. There he is, yes, he's back. Yes. Yes, well, Colin I've Wilson. muted myself. I, I needed to, to attend to some domestic matters and I didn't want to share it with right. the world. Well, you're no fun, honestly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's bad enough pit broadcasting from the toilet, let alone well, actually me, you know, <laughs> you, you following it, suit. As it were. Um, <laughs> no, well, I was just going to say, uh, excellent segment, my pit there. Um, yeah. Really well covered as usual. And uh, I'm not just saying that because he's a good friend, but um, I know he puts a, a lot of effort into to providing in the detail for, for your segments and yeah. and so forth um I, I would imagine that just about everybody in the chat room knows that uh, at the at the pointy end uh, we always have our, our lap straps on uh you know so i don't really see any reason as to why um passengers uh, you know wouldn't want to do the same uh, what do you guys feel about the prospects of it being a, a legal requirement Mandatory, to have your yeah. seatbelt on I'm, I'm more than happy because personally, and I've said this before on the show, Al, I'm, I've always got my seatbelt on 
all the time, even when I'm sitting watching a film or something. In yeah, yeah. so know, so, you, so you drive around in your in your car, Carlos. You got your seatbelt on, yeah, 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 yeah. true. Okay, uh, Matt, on your coach, seatbelts are fitted. And yes, very much. I think so, if yeah. I remember rightly, that they should be worn by law. Is that that's right? correct? Yeah, yeah. Throughout the entire duration of the journey, the only time that there is this grey area because some do have toilets on. And mm -hmm. there is this grey area where you're allowed to sort of take it. I suppose the same in the air, isn't it? You can take it off to go and use the facilities, but you're supposed to put it back on. Yeah, well, we don't really want a little pipe that comes out <laughs> no, of, no, the, no, uh, no, no. of the seat in front or anything, <laughs> no, do we? No, so, no. Um, now, now, do they still have um, hostess service on sort of coaches in the UK? Uh, it like? Yes, they do. Uh, they do. Uh, not not for the sort of stuff that we do, but I know a lot of the European uh, things. Well, you see, they got. you don't tend to have a person anymore. You do tend to have just like a coffee machine that they're able to go and sort of utilise. Right. Um, so they they are allowed to sort of get their own teas and coffees, essentially. Okay, so um, you know it's kind of a little bit of a almost an anomaly that mm. uh, in the aviation world that we haven't made it a legal requirement to have your seatbelt, uh, agreed. You know, fastened when when sat down, and whether people then choose to do it or not, well, that that becomes a personal decision. Yes. but it certainly would. Yeah. Um, uh, remove any issues from the airline having to deal with it you know if, agreed uh, agreed if, uh, the seatbelt sign is on then it's on and you 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 know if you choose to uh, wander around then you do so at, uh, you do your so own your risk. Own risk absolutely yeah i mean we certainly uh, say the vehicle that i normally drive doesn't have um a toilet on it and so i as a result of that expect all of my passengers to wear their seat belt during the whole time and, um, so, so just as a curiosity, uh, do you make an announcement to your passengers that it's required? Well, now, now this is where I have to be a bit careful because I mean, I mean, I'm not quite sure what what the official line is. If I'm because I, I travel on coaches from time to time as a as a course for mm. for work. If we're transporting an entire crew from one part of the country to another, yeah. we usually go on a coach. And uh, and the drivers there certainly haven't. Um, no, and no. Um, the, 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 I can't, can't the, remember actually seeing any signs saying you know the, the general you must rule of the general rule of thumb is that you usually find that there's a sign at the front of the vehicle and at the rear of the vehicle, and then if you look on the window, you'll usually have a round disc which has the sort of seatbelt symbol on it, uh, that is um, that is usually deemed that you have made it obvious to your passengers that right. seatbelts are required. A bit because like in the same way that you have your seatbelt light, you know, if you're sitting yes. in an aircraft, um, you, you aren't necessarily... <laughs> I, I think that... I, I, I yeah, I, I don't know what the official line is. We, we don't tend to, because if we forget to do it on one trip, you can then get sort of done for it, if you see what I mean. It's oh, oh, absolutely. I, I, I just think that we are not uh, a million miles away from having it as a legal requirement in mm. aviation, and uh, um, I, I can see it uh, solving a lot of problems, yeah. really. Sounds, you sounds know, like a very you good idea. You can only help people so much, but yeah. uh, you can take the horse to water, ultimately. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. So we have got uh, a military segment to uh, to bring you next. Oh, yeah, the show, um, I remember. Yeah, the yeah, show, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We have got a military segment to bring you next uh, with, with just a couple of stories, uh, notable stories from this week. And also yeah. we have got, uh, as well, a segment from the main man, that is Micah, who yeah. has just Excellent. Excellent. actually popped up in the chat room. Really? So welcome, ah. Micah. Well done, Micah. Um, is it by magic? Is it yeah, by magic? Indeed. So yeah. uh, if we we're all ready, we're going to do some military news. Yes, okay. Let's go. Let's go.
So the first story on the military news segment for this week uh, is uh, on the Flight Global site, and it's regarding the Harrier. And there's a few pictures as well we'll put up in a moment as well. Okay. Uh, but India are retiring the Sea Harrier jump jets. Oh, no. Uh, so the Indian Navy has formally decommissioned its British aerospace Sea Harrier FRS-51 uh, fighters at a formal ceremony uh, at INS Hansa in Dabolim in Goa. Uh, the phasing out I know it of well. I know it well. Oh, the phasing out of the Sea Harrier with uh, Indian Naval Air Squadron 300 and white, the White Tigers uh, uh, coincided with the induction of the RSK MiG 29K carrier born strike aircraft into the squadron. Uh, the type's final appearance uh, in the Indian skies saw two Sea Harriers perform a flying display with two MiG-29Ks. That included uh, flying in formation at high speed, uh, by, they were doing passes actually with the MiG-29, and the Sea Harriers trademark vertical takeoff and landing. The Sea Harriers served for 33 years in the Indian Navy, flying from the aircraft carrier the INS Vikrant and the INS Virat in the fleet air defence role. The MiG-29Ks are embarked on the INS uh, Vic, uh, Vicara Madita, blimey, formerly the Admiral Gorshkov, uh, with the INS Virat, scheduled to be decommissioned this year. Uh, the aging Sea Harriers were getting increasingly hard to maintain and flew for the last time from the INS Virat on the 6th of March. Despite their age, the Sea Harrier afforded a unique capability as a fleet air defence fighter in the Indian subcontinent after they were modernised as part of the limited upgrade Sea Harrier effort uh, to carry Israeli Derby BVR missiles. Uh, approximately 11 of the aircraft remained at the time of decommissioning, including two, uh, 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 two twin-seat Sea Harrier trainers. The Sea Harrier's fleet had a high attrition rate with approximately half lost in accidents since the type was inducted. Uh, with the retirement of the Sea Harrier and induction of the MiG-29K into the INAS-300, the Indian Navy has two operational squadrons of the Russian carrier-borne aircraft, which has been modified to suit a number of specific requirements of the Navy. The Indian Navy has placed orders for 16 MiG-29Ks in 2004 and 29 in 2010. It has already taken delivery of an estimated 40 examples. India's uh, first MiG-29K squadron INAS-303 was stood up in 2013. The Indian Navy decided to acquire the Sea Harrier FRS Mark 51 in 1979, placing orders for six single-seat fighters and two T Mark 60 trainers. The type replaced the Seahawk, uh, which was phased out in 1978. The arrival of the VSTOL capability and was heralded in India when the, when the first three Sea Harriers landed at Dabolim in uh, the 16th of October 1983. The Indian Navy operated its uh, FRS Mark 51 aircraft for a full decade after the Royal Navy retired the type in 2006. And Matt's got a I've got picture some there. there we you go, can so. make me do something. I mean, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> there we okay, go. So, so what's this? The, the, what's this here? There we go. There's the wonderful Harry. Look at Ah, that. yes, the Harry, of course. Why yes, do yes, we yes. ever get rid of those, mm, honestly? Mm. Yes, that, 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 therein, therein lies the, uh, the eternal question, really. Okay, and then on to the next one. And we'll put another picture there. There was there. There's a couple of them some great pictures, there. aren't there's they? Some lovely pictures there. Look they at are. Them. You've got to love the Harrier. As you say, I know. Didn't somebody take ours on? Yeah, I think the Spanish. I think mm. it was the Spanish uh, yeah. Air Force uh, yeah. took some of these on. They are some great uh, pictures, aren't they? There's the Harrier next door to the MiG-29. Yeah, mm. the MiG-29K. Okay. Look at that. 
Excellent. Okay. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's, it's one of those aircraft that we that I do miss, especially from mm. the air shows. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah, we're, we're, we've been lucky enough. Uh, in the past, to see these at uh, one of our local air shows. Yes. Although it did uh, ditch into the, ro- into in, in the North Lowestoft. Sea. Yes, but yes. Um, yep. we saw it at the air show. Um, and also, I've seen one of these as well at uh, Farnborough as well a few years back. Yeah, uh, uh, the main man, Micah, he's, he's just said, so does this leave the USA as the, as the only country still using Harriers? Um, I think, yeah, we reti- yeah we have retired them. I, th- I think we retired them very shortly after that incident, didn't we? I don't know quite what yeah, happened. Yeah, I think either. we retired quite a few of them into the sea, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah literally, yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, but it's, I mean, I used to love it at air shows because, I mean, it, is, is there one that hovers? Is there an equivalent now which, which sort of hovers in, in, in the air? Well, you've got the F. Oh, I mean, other than a helicopter, I don't mean one of those. I mean, you know, something that can sort of hold its airspeed. The F. Oh, what is it? Uh, the F is it the F? That's the F thirty-five, isn't it? Which has got the vertical takeoff capability. I think you are asking entirely the wrong person. person. Okay, Someone yeah, in the chat room will know that one. Uh, I've uh, been uh, the F thirty-five uh, guys recently, and yeah. uh, uh, there's been a few uh, military aircraft dotted around the, the Canaries. Yeah, and we've had lengthy chats about how to tell one apart from the right. other, okay. and uh, <laughs> if they're grey, they're military. And right, if, you know that, that's, that's the extent of my knowledge. Splendid. Okay. okay. The only thing I was thinking of is Mike has just said the 35 by the way they can hover yeah 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 yes yeah well you see but I I don't know if that class comes under the same category because that's kind of a helicopter I think I I do struggle yeah it is it's an amazing thing thing, but it is nevertheless a thing the the Spanish actually the Spanish Navy do have uh, have 16 uh, of the Harrier 2s and and the main man Mike has said the F-35 uh, in in the chat room, just um, having, just so having, so that's good. Which I was trying to. I kept having a cup of tea here. Okay, right, my new mug. Yeah, all right. Yes, 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 yes. He says showing a visual show on record. Yeah, great. Shameless promotion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What they're already watching? Why? Right. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. Anyway, on to the next story. Uh, before before he loses the plot completely. Uh, RAF mod. Uh, so it's the RAF website, uh, and uh, the headline is RAF typhoons intercept Russian aircraft near the Baltics. Here we go again. Uh, so the Royal Air Force typhoon fighter jets have carried out their first intercept of Russian aircraft in this round of NATO's Baltic air policing min- mission. Uh, the jets, which deployed to the region less than three weeks ago, were scrambled t- from Amari Air Base in Estonia to intercept three Russian aircraft approaching the Baltic states. I have to say, this wasn't mentioned in the, ma- in the main news. Oh, you'd be surprised uh, where I get these stories. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. It's because uh, it, it did. The American one made big news, didn't it, when 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 they came and sort of flirted around the, the uh, I presume it was a carrier or something like that. I think it? the media have got grasp for the fact that this is not an uncommon event now. And, right, okay, uh, they finally like, realised. Uh, you know, the tabloids no longer do, you know, do the story of, you know, man steps on dog poo. Right. So, yes. uh, <laughs> so, um, so they've kind of, right, well, this happens every week then, doesn't it? Yes, so it's slight, suddenly it's less interesting. Yes, yeah, no, this is true. So anyway, the Defence Secretary, uh, Michael Fallon, then said uh, that this is another example of just how important the UK's contribution to the Baltic air policing mission is. We were able to instantly respond to this act of Russian aggression, demonstration of our commitment to NATO's collective defence. Uh, the four RAF typhoon, uh, two typhoons and pilots from... Uh, Two, I'm not quite sure how, two Army Air Cooperation Squadron from uh, Royal Air Force Lossiemouth were deployed in April to support the BAP mission. Uh, BAP. BAPs need support. Well, indeed, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, that, I believe, is what she said. Yeah. (laughs) 
An enduring defensive NATO effort that sees Alliance members uh, without their own air policing assets, assisted by others in four monthly cycles. This rotation, which is the third consecutive year the uh, the UK has committed to BAP, <laughs> oh, no. uh, we'll see UK jets You, you really didn't edit these stories? No, we didn't. Mind, no, did I didn't. No, absolutely. It was all a bit last moment. Anyway, uh, anyway, everyone, you get the gist. Essentially, BAPs are flying through the air. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, dear, family show. Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's the Russians up to their old tricks again, basically, isn't it? As you say, and it's... Um, it's uh, I don't know I, I don't know what what they, I I said this before I don't know what they're up to I, I, I are they just, just just trying just, it on yeah, I, mean, what, I think they're I mean, just, just well like... without uh, divulging any uh, top secrets I've been flying with the okay. QX uh, tornado uh, guys and uh, and an ex typhoon guy over the last uh, few weeks mm. and. Um, that they describe this as just you know normal sport. You know it's uh, right. it's cat and mouse. It's uh, the the air force guys, and obviously in the case of uh, this particular one, it's a sort of comment of army guys. Um, they they view this as sort of part and parcel of the job. It's a little bit of excitement, right. um, and they get to you know practice their you know sort of intercept skills, etc., etc. Right. Et um, and I think that we have now concluded that this has gone on for as long as anybody can remember. Right. Yeah, and it's point. just now that it's become much more common knowledge just because we have global media. Right. Um, yeah. So it's been possible. Yeah. But, but, but we're not doing the same, surely. I mean, we're not sort of out there busy flirting with other countries' borders and therefore being chased away by... By foreign forces, are we? I well, mean... well, well, well. We did have uh, a navy guy um, uh, recently kicked out, didn't he? Because we decided that uh, we'd uh, test Iranian waters a little bit. Right. We had some sailors that were sailors that were uh, uh, sort of captured, basically, by the Iranians because we were in their territorial waters. Right. So, um, so I wouldn't say that we're particularly um, uh, innocent. Of, Innocent, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and of course, we're not really likely to report in our media when we've gone and had a little bit of probing elsewhere. Well, no, that's true. That is, of course, true. I, I, yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. I don't know. I've just sort of sort of surprised. Well, me. it keeps our boys on the toe. On their well, toes. That's, that's it. They, it I mean, let's be going. fair. I mean, they, they, the Russians do keep flying in and out of, our, out of um, neutral airspace all the time, and, mm. it, and it keeps our guys, uh, you know. Yeah, so it's, it's good gone. practice. It's good it? practice. It is, yeah. 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 As long as it happens Monday to Friday night, <laughs> <to laughs> <to laughs> our requirements. Yeah, absolutely. Making sure that there's an appropriate time for breaks, of course. Uh, exactly. tea, tea and coffee, for example. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yes. yes. So, uh, my, uh, my, uh, main, our main man, Micah, has put yeah. uh, in the chat room that he said it is the, the F-35B that does vertical takeoff and landings for the US Marines, and the C model is for the Navy with a tail hook and larger wings beefed up for yes. landing gear. Um, so thank you for that, Micah. And on that Micah note, yes, indeed, we uh, have uh, Micah has uh, very kindly sent us in uh, a little segment for the show, which we're going to play to in a moment. And uh, we have to say a massive thanks to Micah. Yeah. Um, those of you who listen to the Airplane Geeks will have heard Micah before, and obviously APG as well. You would have heard Micah on there sending in uh, bits and pieces, and he's uh, a fantastic uh, uh, teller of fantastic stories. stories. And yeah. we absolutely, um, you know. Cannot wait He's a to, legend. He's we a can't legend. wait to see uh, to meet uh, Micah, yeah, hopefully at uh, Farnborough this year yeah. as well, so that'll be good. So uh, if you're ready, we are going to yep. play that segment for you right now. Hello, Matt and Carlos, Plain Talking UK listeners. This is Micah, your main man, coming to you from Portland, Maine. And recently, on Plain Talking UK, 
You asked about what our favorite airline was. Well, I have a few favorite airlines, some of which don't even exist anymore, and one of which I never even flew. But I thought I'd go over a few of them for you here with a little audio feedback. I guess my favorite airline has to be the Acme Group. Now, the Acme Group obviously includes Acme, Acme Red, Acme South, and I believe soon to be Acme Globe, but we'll find out more about that later. It's definitely my favorite, but one I haven't ever flown. Another favorite, and one that I have flown, is actually JetBlue. They used to be called a low-cost carrier, and they came out in competition with Southwest, when Southwest here in the U.S. was also a low-cost carrier. Neither one would be considered low-cost any longer, but they are smaller, primarily domestic carriers that offer service throughout the USA. JetBlue I like in particular because they offer great seat pitch, 31 to actually 32 to 33 inches in economy. They don't always offer first class, but on their transcontinental routes they do have a product called Mint that I've never flown, and they also have an even more seat room group that offers 39 inches of seat pitch. The seats are all 18 and a half inches wide. Very, very comfortable. JetBlue was also one of the very first domestic carriers and certainly the first, quote, low cost, unquote, carrier to offer in-flight entertainment with a wonderful array of TV in the back of the seat and movies as well as XM satellite radio. They never used to charge for bags. They started charging for them now, but it's a fair fee, and while I don't like paying for it, I generally do because I do have to check a bag when I'm flying a long distance, although I'm going, going to try to avoid that when I come to Farnborough because it's only for a few days. Now, being that you asked for a favorite airline, there are two airlines, one of which doesn't exist any longer, the other, other of which I've never flown, which are really my favorites. And I thought this might be a good time, based on that, to retell a story. A story that originally appeared on the Airplane Geeks podcast, episode 311, back in August of 2014. And that story is titled, Favorite Flights I Never Flew. The mid to late 1980s were the heyday of frequent flyer programs. Since deregulation, the advent of low-cost airlines a la People Express and Southwest, the mainline carriers were searching for means to maintain their customer base, or as some people said, add a stranglehold on the industry. Frequent flyer programs started with American Airlines and quickly spread to all others. By coincidence, this was also the time, while living in Pueblo, Colorado, that I was doing a good deal of commercial flying. Now Pueblo was only served by Rocky Mountain Airlines, Continental Express, and when I started flying from there, that was fine by me. There were three or four flights daily back and forth to Denver, the hub of Continental Airlines Rocky Mountain Express, and I always loved climbing on board the de Havilland-7 or Dash 6 Twin Otters. Now later, America West made a daily stop on a 737 flight from Phoenix to Colorado Springs and back. It always seemed like it would have been strange to fly the less than 50-mile leg of Pueblo to Colorado Springs, but I never had that opportunity. I joined the Continental One Pass program early on and was soon an elite platinum member. What a wonderful way to fly. In those days, most flights were way below capacity, which meant I was almost always bumped up to first class. And although first class amenities weren't even near what business class is today, it was still pretty spectacular compared to coach. 
All the gate agents in Pueblo and some in Denver knew me by name, and I was treated like a king. Now many people remember the baggage disaster that took place when the new Denver airport opened, but really it wasn't very different from the old days back at Stapleton. The Continental Express concourse was located at the other end of the airport from Continental's mainline terminal, and although it seemed my bags always made it outbound with me, they generally never accompanied me home. But the service was still pretty spectacular. When I would arrive home in Pueblo, the gate agent, having already seen my name on the flight manifest and recognizing me as a very frequent flyer, would pull me aside, tell me my bags didn't make it, and that they would be delivered right after the next flight was turned around. Who could ask for more? I kept flying and kept my points banked. At that time, status with frequent flyer programs was based on points accumulated, not annual miles flown. I was in great shape as a Platinum One Pass member. By 1990, I could see that frequent flyer programs were changing along with the airline business. People Express had disappeared, as had the original Frontier. Eastern Airlines and Pan Am were in trouble. TWA and America West were not far behind. Frequent flyer programs were changing, and not for the better. I had moved to Maine by then, and also found that while wealthy with points, I was not very liquid in cash. If points were stocks, it was time to sell. So I did both literally and figuratively. After reserving a few points for something in particular I had in mind, I sold off the remaining points for cash through some specialty travel agents. I must say I did very well. Then I went ahead and used the reserve points for a special flight. My parents had been talking about another trip to Paris for some time. They had been there together before, and my father had been there on his own many times during World War II. He even studied at the University of Paris post-war. Their 35th wedding anniversary was coming up, and it was time to get them back to Paris. Still being within the golden years of frequent flyer programs, as a special anniversary present, I was able to use my points to get them to Paris, round trip in first class. It was not a flight for me to fly, but nonetheless, a memorable one that was worth every last point used for it. Seventeen years later, in 2007, my mom, Harriet, was talking about another trip to Europe. She and my father had traveled to many places since the Paris trip I managed to scrounge together for them. We had even taken a trip to London together. That was a special trip. My dad and I spent a great day together, part of which included sitting on the banks of the Thames and drinking tea, and then a trip to the Imperial War Museum. By this time, however, in 2007, my dad's health, while not terrible, did not allow for him to be as mobile as he once was. He spent most of this trip on his own in our hotel. The trip was a return to London for me and then on by train for my first time in Paris. While in London, my mother and I went to see the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. Although I'd seen it before, it's a wonderful ceremony and worth seeing again, and plus, it was on the tour this time. We were standing in front of the palace gate. I was showing my mom Harriet some of the landmarks so she could get her bearings and know where the guard would be marching in from. It was then that this beautiful young woman that was standing nearby, but not part of our tour, asked me where I learned so much about the area and the ceremony. I told her that I'd been to London before and that I loved the city. We struck up a conversation, and it turned out she was a flight attendant for Singapore Airlines. My God, I was talking to a Singapore girl. She was on her first flight since going through her training and spending her first layover in London, and let me say, she was a knockout. Now look, I love my mom and still do, and I was as dedicated a son to her as any son could be. 
but I was talking to a Singapore girl. And not just any Singapore girl, but a Singapore girl that was talking to me because she wanted to, not because I was a passenger. A Singapore girl that asked me where I was staying in London. A Singapore girl that was telling me that my hotel was near where she was staying. A Singapore girl that wanted to know if I was doing anything later that evening. It was a dream come true. As with all flights, however, timing is everything. I explained to her how I was with my parents, having taken them here to London, and that we would soon be off to Paris. How we had tickets that night to the theater. I asked her when she returned to Singapore, if she might have a turnaround in Paris, New York, any place in the USA. Needless to say, I never saw or heard from her again. And that, my friends, and fellow airplane geeks and Plane Talking UK podcast fans, is a story behind the two best flights in my life that I never flew. For Plane Talking UK, this is your main man, Micah. No. <laughs> what a truly awesome piece of material to have on your show, guys. Oh, isn't I know. he brilliant? Isn't he brilliant? Oh, wow. Thanks well, ever that so be, much, May Micah. that be one of many, many more. Yeah. I, oh, that's, I have to be brutally honest, and I know I'm going to get told off for this, but that is the first time that I've, I've heard um, the main man in, in a... In a in, in a story, in story mode, yeah. and that is a real joke. As unfortunately, I'd love to listen to the APG in that, but it, the time thing for me, given I have to get up so early, is really difficult. But that, that oh wow, I know. Oh, long may well. Many I think more I think we can all we all agree yeah. that uh, yeah, definitely, uh, Mike, you you definitely need to. Um, to uh, yeah, to, to spend more time and send us some more segments, yeah, bless yeah, him. Because he's got lots of yeah, time. Obviously, he's got lots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, thanks ever so much for that, Micah. Yeah, Micah's a fantastic storyteller, isn't and he, he just has he? the most wondrous of voices. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much looking forward to, to meeting him at Fibra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. can't but wait, can't wait. I, I've had a, a little idea, and I've not mentioned this to Micah, and I don't even know if legally it's possible. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Um, <laughs> but Abort. there's a, there's a, a fantastic aviation book uh, written by a guy called Ernest Gann called Fate is the Hunter right. and it's not available as an audio book oh, no. oh. and I think Micah would read that book phenomenally, phenomenally. as yeah. an audio book yeah. Yeah. yeah well let's make it happen I think yeah let's make it happen if, if, yeah, I, if I was going to I think if I was going to da download and listen to audio books yeah. which I have done in the past not yeah. many but I have done in the past Micah would make the best audio book yeah, teller absolutely. ever it's a bit, bit like Stephen Fry in the world yeah. of Matt I, it's like I, yeah. I can listen to any book you know I mean um, Stephen Fry could read the phone book and I could listen to it for hours do you know what I mean and Mike has got one of those sort of similar similar voices he, he could literally read, read you know read anything and it would just be Absolutely brilliant. So seriously, thanks very much for that. Yeah. And, uh, Looking forward to meeting you uh, yeah, in, uh, in July, yeah, Micah. Absolutely. So we have had, uh, this week, we've had an email actually sent to us mm. uh, from uh, uh, someone who works at one of the 
air shows. Uh, yeah. we're, we're go- we, we, are, we yeah. have decided well, yeah. that we're going to go to. We are going to do our, very, very, do best our very best to, go, to visit. We're very excited. That. So anyway, the email goes as follows. Uh, there's, there's a lovely chap by the name of Ollie Pallet who sent us this message. And the subject was Cold War Jet Day at Bruntingthorpe and VC10s. Afternoon, chaps. My name is Ollie and I'm part of a team that looks after an XRAF VC10 uh, Zulu Delta 241 at Bruntingthorpe. I was wondering if you could give us a little mention on your great podcast regarding the upcoming Warjet's Fast Taxi Day at Bruntingthorpe on the 29th of May. There are many hardworking groups that look after a variety of retired military planes uh, as both live runners and static airframes, which include the VC-10, Lightnings, uh, is it Buccaneers? Yeah. Uh, Hunters, uh, Hunters, Victors, etc. Hunter Victors, sorry, etc. It's a great show and the level of access given to most of the planes is something that is generally unseen at normal air shows. Thanks for taking the time to read this one. Regards, Ollie. So, no, seriously. And we are, we are serious, Ollie. We, we're going to yeah. do our very, very best. As long as nothing happens as regards to my, my work frame, because uh, that's the only trouble with being a coach driver. You never quite know when, when you're going to be where. But we're going to try very hard and come and see you on the 29th, because it's a Sunday, isn't it? So we're yeah. going to try really hard. So the, uh, the Cold War Jets Open Day. So as Matt said, it's Sunday the 29th of May uh, this year. And also they've got one on Sunday the 28th of August as well. Cool. Uh, okay. These are both Sundays. Uh, the days are open to the public. The gates open typically at 9 a.m. Uh, with the first taxi run at uh, 11 a.m. Admittance is £20 for adults, uh, £15 for OAPs. Uh, and disabled with accompanied children under 16 years of age, mm. all free of charge. So yes, if you get the chance to go to that, is that is Sunday the 29th of May, and that's the Cold War Jets Day at Bruntingthorpe. And more to the point, after another email that uh, Ollie sent us back uh, later on that day, yes, um, uh, yes, you got, was, you got a little excited. I when, did when get rather <laughs> excited because uh, for those of you who may or may not know, Bruntingthorpe is the home of uh, the last six remaining Lockheed L-1011 TriStars, ex Royal Air Force, <laughs> uh, which are stored there, currently stored there. So um, I think there's a very good chance that we will possibly be definitely making that show, Matt. Right, okay. <laughs> okay, do. Yeah, so, so we're going to try very hard. So if you are there, well, then make okay, sure... Well, okay, then what I'll do is I'll send you some Airbus stickers so you can put them over <laughs> the TriStar logo when you're there. Is that Okay. <laughs> I'll just uh, ask my van that. Right. Uh, no, I'll just, uh, oh, I've got some stickers for your van for farm boy. Don't worry about that. Oh dear, oh dear. He's got a funny colour. Uh, oh dear. So yeah, no, seriously, Ollie, thanks for that email. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do that by the usual means. You've got the website, of course, www.plaintalkinguk.com. There's a contact button on there to write to us. Or you can write to us directly. That is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com, facebook.com forward slash PTUK. And uh, if you want to, don't forget, you can get in touch with the show now and give us a ring. If you haven't got the ability to send us voice voice feedback, then why not leave us a message on our wonderful answer phone? And hey, we, we haven't had anyone. We, we haven't, haven't had, had anyone yet. send it so to us yet. Which let's, is really let's have the first ever. Um, 
voice feedback yep. via our new voice uh, Absolutely. feedback. Absolutely. So line. the telephone number here, it's a Cambridge number, but don't let that confuse you. That's to do with the system because it's a digital system that we use and it's only available from current Cambridge numbers at the moment. So oh, it the is. Big town. Uh, indeed. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, so it is uh, 01223 911 355. So if you're phoning outside of the UK and you have a tariff where you can phone UK numbers where it doesn't cost you, which I know a lot of American people do, it is plus 441223 911355. So it's 01223 911355. Uh, to get in touch with us via Twitter, it is at plaintalkinguk, as I say, Facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk. All our shows are available now. All the video content if you haven't had the chance to watch the show being li either done live or watched afterwards it is youtube.com forward slash plain talking uk yeah don't forget for those of you listening to the audio podcast available on itunes yes and very many other uh, podcast sites as well uh, don't forget uh, we do do this live show yes, we're on tune-in now by on, the way we're well. on tune-in yeah. radio and uh, stitcher and also uh, as of this week we are now also on soundcloud oh and soundcloud as well um yeah we're on soundcloud now as well uh, don't forget we do do the live show each week on youtube the links are on our facebook page and twitter page very soon um, will also be available from spotify on spotify oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're everywhere on that one yeah so we oh. really are you will not be able to get away from us essentially that's the plan no that's <laughs> good <laughs> so, i'll have to up my fee then yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> The, yeah, checks yeah. In the, uh, the checks in the post, Al. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spend yeah. it at Christmas, yes? Yeah, absolutely. That's correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what, we'll buy you a drink at Farm Brow. How does that sound? <laughs> a drink. Yes, yeah. A yeah. drink. Yeah, I know, but, yeah, but I'm a humble coach driver. Do you know how much an hour I get? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll do you a deal, okay? Because obviously, oh, you, you know, in, in the, the sort of standard of hotel that we're sitting in, you know, drinks can be very, very expensive. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, uh -oh. uh, how about if you, uh, if you foot my food bill? Is that fair? Yeah, I think we can. No, 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 no. Oh, right. No, that's, no, that's not <laughs> right, good. Okay. No. Is it not? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> have, I, have I missed something? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'll take that as an agreement. We'll <laughs> move on then. Oh, no. <laughs> Next story. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Q. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so by the sound of it, we need help from Patreon, uh, from our Patreon subscribers. Oh, yes. So if anyone is able to, uh, uh, if anybody wants to subscribe to the show, it is patreon.com forward slash plain talking UK. We've got lots of great subscribers in in there now already, but uh, that is how you uh, you can help us keep the show on the air. Essentially, we use it to pay for things like basically our server fees, uh, website hosting, and uh, and, um, and feeding out and feeding out. It Al. seems now, yes, absolutely. Which apparently, which I didn't realise was going to be so, given given the racing snake figure that he's blessed with was going to be such an expensive experience. But uh, no, we so, are, never mind. <laughs> so for for anyone who's listening, that would be awesome. Just uh, if you yep. go on our uh, on our on our on our website yeah. Yeah. Uh, the patreon links on there we really really do appreciate the uh, the donations the kind donations from the current patrons and anyone else who wants to join the patreon team and like we said it's uh, it is covering our air show visits this year and sort of accommodation parts of yeah. our accommodation costs and stuff for and yeah. um, the air shows this year which we've got uh, quite a few lined up ready yes. so that's good so yes if you can if you can spare if you can spare even a dollar then a dollar. Uh, we would really appreciate you topping up our Earl Grey fund anyway enough of this dribble uh, <laughs> it is uh, it is time to wrap up the show i'm afraid uh, captain al what can i say oh. you are a legend as always thank you All so hail much for the your time. royal jet king indeed absolutely thank you for the advance notice that you yes, yes. <laughs> well, well you know it's, it's the element of surprise is often the, uh, the often the way forward i think uh, with any kind of broadcast <laughs> absolutely uh, no no uh, as usual a uh, a pleasure to take part um, and uh, 
uh, I was glad that I was able to wedge myself into Splendid. the corner yes. of the I'm room to, I'm to keep the, the, the signal going. But it's I, been very good. It has been, been very, 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 it's been, been sturdy as anything. I'm so, very so impressed. Before, and, before and no fire get... alarms, which is a, another added bonus, so he hasn't had to sort of jump out of a window. Before we <laughs> go, Al, any, any nice sunny destinations lined up for uh, uh, this week, do you know? Um, well, actually, um, let me just uh, run through the, the, the calendar here. Um, so, uh, Ooh, he has a roster and everything, very popular. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Monday afternoon, I'm off to uh, Larnaca on the island of Cyprus. Oh, oh, I see. How the other half live, yes. Uh, Tuesday, what? it's Faro in the Algarve in Portugal. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Wednesday, it is Gibraltar in mm. Gibraltar. Lovely. Thursday, it's... Arrecife on the island of Lanzarote in the Canaries. Oh, now I'm jealous. Now uh, I love Lanzarote. Friday, it is Larnaca in Cyprus. Oh, just well, as you do. Yeah. Oh, dear. It's a um, busy week, to be fair. Then uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, Al rests. Al oh, rested. Oh, nice. gets a day off. Excellent. He gets a lie down. Yes. <laughs> and then Monday and Tuesday, Al jumps into a Cessna 152 to do some flying around the UK. <gasps> Yay! Oh, cool. Where are you going in the UK? Uh, I am going to go with my father. And uh, I've got to try and get a few hours in before my uh, single-engine piston rating expires. Okay, right. So I'm going to uh, go up to Scotland <gasps> and oh. uh, then over to Northern Ireland. Oh, wow. Uh, and then down to Southern Ireland and then back. Oh. Nowhere near Beckles then, that's a oh, shame. You could have come yeah. No, no, um, Beckles is on the agenda for uh, this sometime this year. Fantastic. Um, yeah, let us know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, uh, I did actually fly over Beckles in the big jet uh, a couple of days ago. Did you? Actually, so oh, yes. you should have given us a wave. Oh yeah, he probably well, was. Uh, well, like I did. Me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Perform some bodily functions as I pass. Oh, <laughs> you see, there's nothing for that. I tell you what, seriously, you come over here. We, there's a there's a fantastic restaurant that we will take you to. So oh, I, yeah, uh, all we're, we're going we're to spoil you. We will spoil you with one of the best meals I think you've ever had. Yeah, um, definitely from our from the lovely Chan, bless her. So yes, anyway. no, no, it's definitely on on my agenda. Uh, one of the reasons for um, uh, for getting myself uh, back into currency on the on the little aeroplane because uh, I don't know my own anymore. Uh, that's uh, long no, gone, no, unfortunately. Fair, but yeah. it's just through lack of use and. Um, yeah. Uh, aeroplanes are like uh, any other machine. If you don't use them often, then they become, uh, become expensive. Uh, an expensive <laughs> yeah. uh, entity. Yeah. Um, so I'm getting myself uh, back up to speed on that, and then I shall uh, shall be uh, popping over because I've had a look on on Google Maps and TomTom, yeah. Tom, and uh, quite frankly, uh, it's a heck of a long drive from anywhere else in the UK to where you guys. Y- live. Yes, yes, yes. I think I yes. think that's a fair, very I think true. That's fair comment. Very true. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I agree with you. It's, uh, uh, Mike is actually saying it sounds like a busman's holiday um, uh, Al at least that's uh, that's what, what they call it over here he's saying no, they, we call it we call it that here actually busman's holiday yes absolutely yeah. actually, um, my... I, I, I look forward to doing my little aeroplane flying because um, one of the things that I can do then is uh, just basically Uh-oh. enjoy the scenery yeah. Um, turn the radio off wherever necessary yes. or wherever possible. Yeah. Uh, speak to as few people as I as I need to, and uh, just do some just enjoy, flying. Enjoy and, uh, flying. Yeah. I yeah. mean that must be that must be one thing when you. I mean, because I mean I love driving. I genuinely love driving. And a lot of people say to me like, you know, but surely if you drive for a living, do, do, does the novelty wear off a bit? And it must be a bit like that with with sort of flight. You know, being a pilot as well. You know, uh, there, there is that. It always um, sounds so glamorous, it's doesn't it? It's very different. Yeah. Um, 
my Oh no, oh, he's no. fallen off. He's Ow. Oh no, he's fallen off here. Oh dear. Oh no, no. That is terrible. Oh dear. Oh no. When, oh, that was it. It was I all going so well. It. Right at the very end. Anyway, we are well over time, so we need to wrap up. So okay. it's, uh, it is time to uh, bring the show to a close. Thank you very much to everyone um, who has been listening. We to will say episode. thank you to Al. We will indeed, yeah. Thank you very much, Thank Captain you very much, Al. Al. Such His a shame. Wi-Fi just died it, it, I there. Think it's, it's done well. It's lasted over two. It's, he's probably over his limit. I he mean, he's <laughs> gone over two hours of... His, of, his yeah. room bill is now £4,000. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's hope it was in complimentary Wi-Fi. So anyway, from all of us here on episode 112, 112. thank you very much to everyone who has joined us. We will see you all... I'll tell very, you what, very soon. It's next Friday. I'll tell you what, Matt. What's that? It's been a long one. Has it? <laughs> wow, so that, I had to drop that one in. That, that, that was worth it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, and on, on, on that bombshell, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it is time to it's end. Insane. So from all of us here in the studio, we'll Thanks, go everyone. to the wide shot. Uh, from all of us here in the studio, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week. It's Friday, Friday. at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. From all Friday. of us here in the studio, it is... Goodbye! Bye.